Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast here on the 13th of February, 2018. That's a, that's a good day. It is. It's one day before Valentine's Day, which means Ooh. if you've forgotten, get your shit together right now. We're here to remind you. Yeah, Get your shit together. Get your shit together. That's what Probably shouldn't be listening to this show. You should be getting out there and getting what you, what you need because you could have a very, very upset partner if you're not careful. Yeah, and only you know what you need. Only you know what you need. Just go get it. Mm-hmm. The answer is booze. You need lots of it. Yeah, because you've screwed if up. You are, if you're waiting well, the if 13th. you are single, <laughs> then you need to stock up for that. You know, you you have to be aware regardless of your situation. I think I think the real smarty pants uh, that are watching right now know that you don't ever celebrate Valentine's on actual Valentine's. You make all of your plans for the day after when everything is way cheaper you... and nobody has reservations. Okay, that is true. However, oh, you yeah. do need a gift on the actual date because otherwise uh, then the partner thinks you've Valentine's forgotten. gifts are a thing? There's so many what? other times in the year yes. when we give things to each other. Sam is such a lucky man. Just the luckiest. <laughs> Valentine's gifts are a thing. This... Valentine's Day is way smaller like, in the UK than it is the... in the US, and even I know that. Isn't the isn't the Valentine's gift like let's eat some bodacious food? Isn't that the no? Gift? That, that's just part of it. Like you... I thought it was like sex in a sexless marriage kind of thing. I thought that's I mean, what that. it was supposed to be. You know, <laughs> you, you at least make sure you have flowers, right? But just... like so many types of flowers are bad for kitties. Well, oh my god, I forgot that you're a mess. What? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because doors don't exist. You know, you can't put flowers in places where cats won't destroy them or have a horrible allergic reaction to them or anything. That's I've, not liter- I've literally never been in a relationship where it was where there was an expectation from either. Like, I never had an expectation for a gift, and I've never been with somebody who had an expectation for a gift. I've never been in a relationship sweet, where there hasn't been one. But you always eat bodacious food. That's well, what Valentine's uh, well, is yes about. Well, yes, you do. That's 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 what you do in the evening, and then there's a you know gift in the morning of some description, yeah, usually flowers <laughs> or chocolates or something like that. Yeah, there is. <laughs> and the better the gift, that's the better the other gift. Harder, if you know Jesse. what I mean? Not, you know, yeah, there say is. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just imagine me doing the nudge, nudge, wink, wink instead of the static dog image right now, and you'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that is happening. But so give me, one way give me other, examples. Give me examples of Valentine's gifts. Flowers. Okay, Obviously. but what if the person fucking hates flowers? What's next? Chocolates. Okay. What if the person's like, I'm on a diet, I'm watching my figure TV, then what? A smaller number of chocolates. <laughs> what if they're like, I'm allergic to chocolate? The con- well, what if they who, are like, I don't like the concept you dating of chocolate? That doesn't like flowers and doesn't like chocolate. Yeah, yeah. Then, then what do you do? What do you, you get? Now, now what? Now yeah, you know that it's, the relationship me. is doomed to fail, <laughs> and you should just give up on it right now. Okay. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Simple as I that, feel like, really. I feel like someone in chat said jewelry. I feel like Valentine's jewelry is that setting you up for failure later in the year, because there are other much more important dates. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you want to watch out for that. you jewelry on Valentine's Day? That's too much. Jewelry is yourself. more of a Christmas gift, I think. Yeah. You screwed if, yourself. If you yeah, but, and, if, and cheap jewelry sucks, so, you know, you don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm not saying spend a bunch of money on Valentine's Day. In fact, I'm saying the exact opposite of that. You know, it's small. That small gift and go out to a really good dinner day, or mm. preferably do the dinner as you said a day earlier or a day after, so that you don't have to deal with reservations. That's Be the smart. way to do it. 
But <laughs> s- small gift. It, it's about making sure that the person in question knows that you fucking remembered. You know, <laughs> it's about, like, like... Yeah, it's like your anniversary <laughs> once you get past all the cool numbers. You know? It's what like are the a, cool numbers? Yeah, what are the my cool well, numbers? I mean, w- my well, mom is obsessed with how like tenth, every anniversary so. is associated with a material. She oh, she's it. one of those. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, one there of is those that. people. Mm. You know, we just, so we we just had our tenth. So mm. this year oh. is probably not a cool one. It's an eleventh, but I'm gonna have to get something to make sure that she knows I didn't forget. Right. Material. <clears throat> 11th year is steel. That's dope <gasps> as fuck. That's fucking awesome. That, yeah. That's awesome. You can, get, you can get some metal related thing. That's great. Yeah. And last year it was 10. 10th sucks. 10? <laughs> 10. Although 9th yeah. is pottery. So but like. 10 <gasps> also rhymes with 10. And that's. Maybe that's yeah. But thinking. it's also aluminum or aluminium um, is mm. another one. Mm. But 12 is silk. Oh, fine. Silk <clears throat> and linen. Mm. Dude. Yeah. 11 steel. You need to get like. Jenny's like one of those, like we, a, we already had gauntlet. that. We, we already did the whole 70,000 tons of metal this year. I don't think we can really do anything like that again. That's true. Yeah, you're killing you it. You can't out-steal that. Don't, don't, don't get into, you, you can't get into a rut. It's got to be a new kind of metal. I new think what kind. we're learning from Dodger is like, <clears throat> never care about your partner. So when you finally do, it's really special. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm just saying he always, he always I, goes... I, he always goes on the metal cruise. So yeah, you can yeah, say yeah, like yeah. that's your steel. That's your steel, my, my love. <laughs> my love, my lady. My love, my lady. Oh man, we'll get an actual oh, sword. I'm gonna get you a fedora for the moment when you reveal your steel. <laughs> ew, ew. I didn't mean for it to sound that way, but I had it to. Sounded innuendo esque. I, I was about to unload one of the whole. I had to just keep saying it. It was that was too good. I was about to unload one of the whole. I, I while you were doing this, I studied the blade. But then it was like, no, that that's actually good enough in and of itself. Just let that one hang for a bit, see where it goes. Uh, uh, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Happy February thirteenth, everybody. No, n- nothing personal, kids. Uh, welcome to the Corruptional Podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games. You may notice we're guestless today. Pyrian Flax was scheduled to appear. He is sick as a dog. As you probably discovered, if you, <clears throat> despite being sick as a dog, he did stream, which apparently was about two hours of coughing a lot. So, him okay. being British and naturally very polite, said, <laughs> I don't want to ruin someone else's show by constantly coughing over it. Uh, like, well, okay, it's up to you. We've had plenty of people who didn't give a shit about that, but feel free. So hopefully next week. <laughs> yes. For, I, uh, for yeah. <clears throat> Everyone has the flu. Everyone's getting the flu, and I swear to God, if anyone gives it to me, I will kill them. Wait, there's a second round of the flu? Have you seen, like, the charts? It's crazy if you look at the states. Um, basically, we're, like, in a perpetual state of red, and red clearly is bad. We just, it just gets worse. US influenza map. Load up. It's not looking good for the... Widespread. Yeah. The flu is everywhere. Everyone's getting Stay the flu. Stay the fuck so, away from everybody, basically. Yeah. Hey, uh, wash your hands and uh, yep. don't cough on people's faces. And if you're, if you're a parent, make sure your little kid learns how to cough. Because I swear to God, if I have another kid just go, <clears throat> like, right on me, I will punt a child. <laughs> I swear to God. You know, I wonder it's- to myself with someone as a somewhat compromised immune system if i have an actual 
cause for self-defense when it comes to things like that. Is it okay for me to punch that kid in the throat? I can't. I can't stand. I can't. That's my one like parenting thing. Dodger. Yes. I'm gonna. I'm gonna show up. I'll never let my child cough on you because I don't want you to. I don't. That's because you're gonna be a good parent. That's because you're a good parent. Me. <clears throat> that's gonna be i would i would that'd be my number one thing teach a kid to be polite in company and teach a kid not to cough on other people that's it that's all and then i'll be like i'm done ruin your life feel free <laughs> yeah i do wish we somewhat adopted the attitude of a lot of asian countries where they will wear a face mask mm. if they're you know for the benefit of others it's not like some people seem to believe you wear a face mask it somehow protects you from germs no doesn't really work that way but it makes sure the germs don't get out it's yeah, about, it's the idea of not spreading shit. Yes, exactly. But apparently in America, we do not give a flying fuck about that. I uh, see more and more of that in LA. The other day I was at the grocery yeah. store and there were like four or five people with masks on. Good, it, good. It doesn't phase you at all. After a while, you're like, oh, all right, that guy's protecting me from his deadly disease. Yes, which Thanks, is very pal. polite. That's exactly yeah. what should be happening. But yeah, that's for some people, for some reason, that's not a thing that you do. Or even bother to wash your hands. Like, look, we've got, like, hand sanitizer dispensers, like, every five feet now. Everywhere. For fuck's sake, use them. Really? <laughs> they had them all over the boat for obvious reasons. Because the last thing you want is a epidemic on a boat. Oh, my God, oh yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. That is the absolute worst. <clears throat> so, be hygienic, is what I'm saying. Do it. Just, just giving out advice today. Sick. Just dishing it out. Get your shots. Don't get diseases. Don't kill me. Everyone, I my yeah. My please don't kill me. Are like when when people are like, well, you know, if you keep using hand sanitizer and all stuff, there's eventually gonna be a super bug that's immune to all that. And I'm like, fuck it, I'll take my chances when that happens. Until <laughs> then, I'm not getting a cold. I ain't gonna get a cold. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. Am I gonna spread it to other people? More to the point. Right. We're giving out advice mostly because we don't really have a lot. It probably has deserved it by then. It's probably earned the right to get me if it's become a super bug. Fine, you win, nature. But until then, (laughs) I'm not getting sick. Survival of the goddamn fittest, which apparently at this point turns out to be a germ. Well, that's how it goes. Yeah, man. Wasn't there a cruise ship that got quarantined a few years ago? Asks chat. That happens all the time. Um, yeah. there's, uh, outbreaks of, uh, norovirus and things like that on those. They have procedures when that happens. Like, they've got to dry dock the ship for X amount of time. They've got to literally spray the whole thing down. Everything's got to be washed. And there's a lot of linen and a lot of carpet on a ship like that. So, you got to be super careful. Hygiene yeah. on ships is really important. How was the trip? How was your adventure? Fucking loved it. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Uh, for the first time, we actually took people with us. So that was cool because, honestly, that <coughs> that thing get pretty intense. Like, there was a day where we looked at the schedule and like, well, we w- the first band we want to see is at 10 a.m. The last band we want to see is at, like, 4 a.m. <laughs> so how exactly, you know, who who can we sort of split up into groups with? To make sure that at least, you know, one of us has a partner or whatever. Not that you would need one. It's just like the fun of going to see a band with somebody else. And it's like, well, I'm going to take a nap here. And you're going to sleep here. And then I'm going to get up later so we can see this. And all this kind of shit. Like, the, literally, the music is 9 a.m. till 5 a.m., I think. Can you hear it, like, in the cabin still? Uh, it depends where you are on the ship. Hmm. 
honestly it's I've, I've wondered about that before like whether or not a metal cruise is basically like you're also listening to metal while you try to sleep it's yeah. uh, nowhere near as bad as that because honestly a lot of that noise just goes straight out to sea you know the the mm -hmm. open air stage you'll get cool. bass especially if you're on one of the floors close to the pool deck you'll definitely mm -hmm. get that it's like i always say to anyone bring a pair of like well several pairs of earplugs because uh, one, you should not be listening to that many concerts on full blast over the course of four days unless you want some fucking serious tinnitus. Holy shit. Uh, I mean, that's a yeah. lot. It's, you know, you, you see how many bands are at a music festival. There are more bands than that, and they're playing more. <clears throat> you know, it's 60 bands, and they all play two sets minimum. Right. Jesus. So it's, it's pretty intense. Bring earplugs I've never had a problem sleeping on that boat. I slept great. The rock, the way um, ships rock on the ocean, and the sea air as well. Asleep. Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually finding I was falling asleep in the middle of gigs, uh, mm. because it was actually just so relaxing. And I'm mm. listening to some really heavy shit, but I'm finding myself dozing off because the ship's rocking back and forth just a little bit. The sea air's there. You know, I'm really liking the music. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? How am I falling asleep in the middle of this? This is incredibly loud. But yeah, you can't do it. <laughs> I get that. Boats, put, boats, planes, any trains, anything moving that has sort of like a rhythmic motion knocks my ass out immediately. God, I wish planes would do that. Uh, sleeping oh, on a man. plane for me is a very difficult thing to do. I yeah, slept. I slept from here. I think I said this before. I slept from here to Australia. I just like woke up and it, on, on a, the other side of the world. That I, is, was, that's a dream scenario for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, it happens all the time. I get in a plane, pass out immediately before we hit God, the run. That's, like, that's a gift. Off. That's a fucking superpower. That's, really, if, if, if you yeah. can explain to people how to do that, you would make millions just on the courses alone. I wish I could. I wish I could. I just like, yeah, I don't know, but it, it, I think it has to. I think it has to do with like the white noise of like the engines, or if you're on the I sea, wish. the rocking of the boat, like. If you're on a train, they're like click, 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 click. Yeah, like, that, that there's definitely something with that. Yeah, yeah. I think the the only reason that I ever wake up on a plane is my neck. If for like some reason I like keep doing this thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> the whole nodding off thing. Yeah, <clears throat> I keep seeing those. There are those scarves that you can get that like wrap all the way around your neck and like create like a thing like this. I keep looking at those and being like, I wonder if those work or if they're just... Oh, like those like weighted blanket things that they've been selling? Those like uh, compression blankets? Have you seen those? Oh, I actually just bought a compression blanket. Oh, because of course I, you did. I love heavy blankets. And I was like, oh my God, like heavy blankets are becoming a thing that people want and are available. Hell yeah. So I... Uh, my time yeah. is now kind of situation. Yeah, I bought I bought a super heavy blanket and I'm really excited about it. They all all of the websites that make them have to have big old signs that are like, please don't buy these for your baby. Like literally, you have to because because like crush them to they death. make child sized ones, but the rule of thumb is if your child can't push it off of themselves, then mm, like it's yeah, you can't. That, they'll suffocate under the thing. It's really heavy, right? It's not good. No, no. <clears throat> I, I've not found a solution to the whole sleeping on. Or even getting like good rest on a plane thing. Any kind of pillow. I've tried several of them. None of them seem to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's it. It doesn't make the flight any less traumatic. Still, every time I get done, I'm just like, oh, I'm gross. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You, you know, you you feel terrible after that, but the fact that you can doze off on a plane and then wake up in a time zone is miraculous in my eyes. It was crazy. I, I would like I got love poked by the flight attendant who was like, "Sir, do you want breakfast?" And I was like, "What time is it?" She's like, "We're about an hour and a half from landing." I was like. <gasps> That's incredible. Yes. It's the dream. It was so good. It was perfect. Yeah. That is the dream. Yeah. Every time I travel with Jesse, the second we're off the plane, he's like, I need a shower. Like he just, yeah. he oh, just wants a shower. Yeah. Like that's all that he wants in the whole world. Is yeah, to you got a plane funk off. You know, I feel you, so gross. <laughs> I always wear like, you know, the loosest clothes I've got and stuff like that. And, Same. Yeah, stuff that I could would immediately just throw down as soon as I get to the hotel, just like shower now. It's yep. all horrible and terrible. I want it off me. I want the stench of it, the feel <laughs> of it, the very notion of it to go away. It's like the recycled air and just being in a tube with people for yeah. ten hours. You're just like gross. Like it's what it's a tube. You're in a I tube know, with it's, people. It's yep. just a gross way to put it, but it's real, yeah. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, not wrong. Everything about this sucks. Yeah. There's a um there's a train that goes from Los Angeles. not a train, it's like a bus that goes from Los Angeles to San Francisco. Okay, there is a difference between those two things. I know, yeah. And it's entirely um like like little sleeping tubes. Mm-hmm. And I'm so curious. I'm hmm. so curious. They're like, Yeah, we can hold people up to six foot and uh you just have your own little sleeping tube. And every time I look at it, I'm like I would probably be hella comfy in there. Yeah, I was going to say, someone of your size would probably fucking love that. Sleeping tube? From LA to San Francisco? From LA to San Francisco. You get on at night, and then you wake up in the morning, and they bring you, like, tea and stuff. Oh, shit. Yeah, but they're just, like, little... It's literally a bus just made up entirely of little beds. Interesting. Mm. That's pretty cool. I want to try it so bad. (laughs) You did pick something of the wrong time to find out about that, but right. At Lately, some point. I've really, really wanted to go uh, hiking. I think it's literally just because I can't. Yes, <laughs> I can't go hiking, and so I'm like, I want to go hiking so bad. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much. All right. Well, we didn't promise video games. We only occasionally talk about them, but we can we can give it a try. Give it a give it a shot. Mm. I don't want to start us off. What you um, got? I played Aegis Defenders. Ah, yes, which was the sort of side-scrolly tower defense kind of yeah, game that you were talking it's about. It's like an RPG that has tower defense points in it. Okay. Um, I I remember f- like seeing this game and paying a lot of attention to it when it was being kickstarted. Um, <clears throat> so it was really fun to finally play it i think it's it's really cute um it's got good characters and an interesting story uh but yeah the way that each level is basically it's it is a side scroller you start from one end of the map you work your way to the very end of the map at the very end of each map there's something that you're going to need to protect um Mm. they do justify it inside of the story they say like why um why like everything goes to shit the second that you find this stuff um which i was i was fine with once they explained it i was like sure i'll go along with that that's fine um so then you you control it's it can be a two-player game because you control uh, a girl and her grandfather 
the grandfather puts down like turrets the girl puts down traps um the girl has a gun and the grandfather has a hammer so you can upgrade all of that stuff you can make it so that his hammer does like way more damage um his hammer is also what he uses to like fix stuff so uh both characters i think that they did a really good job of making it so that both characters have um their obvious usefulness uh the grandfather really early on gets like a bonus to collecting materials for them to make their traps and things out of so you know whenever you need to really quickly collect a bunch of materials it always makes more sense to switch to the grandfather right um so like balancing out the time on that it happens in waves at the end of each level <clears throat> so balancing out the time is fun and yeah the the game itself i think is really is really good i've been playing it on hard but there's like normal hard and insane or something mm -hmm. and hard is totally doable uh there's only been one level where i had to redo it like a few times <laughs> i was like i don't know how to do this but it does a good job of making you of like forcing you to think about how to problem solve with what you have um there will be levels where you just don't have any of a certain material and i'm like how the fuck am i supposed to do this when i can't build turrets right but mm -hmm. there's always there's always a way like it kind of forces you to think about that stuff and i think being early on in the game right now it's probably going to help a lot as i progress to be able to think a bit more openly what about is the like plot of this game the plot is that uh, you and your granddaughter kind of live like on the outskirts. Um, there are there are like these these really amazing beings called the Deathless, and all of the different areas of the planet serve different Deathless. So like, mm -hmm. it, it's basically like there there are gods that live on Earth, right? And if you're in India, you serve one God. And if you're in America, you serve one God, like that, like that kind of an idea. <clears throat> and um, in the story, there's a guy who got really fed up because the God that he was serving was very violent and cruel. And he found a way to kill the deathless, which had never been done before and established the very first um, the very first like kingdom that wasn't ruled by a deathless but was ruled by men instead and um and so so far the story is kind of an interesting power struggle between um people who believe that the deathless are wonderful and that there's nothing wrong with serving them and people who think that humans should govern themselves um and so that's kind of like the concept and so we're finding all of these different ruins and um items that are kind of associated with the deathless and why they're here cool yeah that's an interesting yeah. concept it's interesting yeah it's super cool yeah it's a i, I watched we saw two different pieces of footage there the first one was actually really old uh, bear in mind this was a kickstarter game so there was a kickstarter yeah. demo that northern lion played like three years ago and the footage we're watching at the moment is from last week um mm. so we're seeing more than there's a metroidvania aspect to it it's not just stick around in one area by any means in fact no. what, how, what, how would you say the gameplay is distributed percentage wise it's like time time wise the amount of time yeah. that you spend in each level i think is 50 50 but mm. you you spend like 
75% of your, your movement time being in this, uh, this more of a, like a side scrolly section where you're trying to get to the relic or whatever yeah. it is that you're finding at the end. Um, and then once you get to the relic, that's where the sort of that's defense That's when you tower defense in. it. Yeah. And yeah. Are, are you collecting resources up to that point in order to <laughs> build the shit that you need to defend it? Yeah. And you, you, you don't need to have any resources, but at least for me so far, you don't need to have any resources by the time you get to the tower defense area. Like they expect you to use what you find to get there in the first place. Right. Um, <clears throat> so in between each wave, all of the materials that are in the tower defense zone respawn. Huh. So you can like, if you, if you planned it out well, <clears throat> your stuff won't break down. Right. And you can, you can build stuff up to be better or you can put down even more stuff. Um, there's also an interesting like color coded element to this where uh, like the girl is dressed in blue and the grandfather is dressed in yellow anything that the grandfather makes does really well against yellow monsters and anything that the girl makes does really well against blue monsters. Um, which at first I was like, that's kind of like weird and gimmicky, but when you're actually in the tower defense section, it's fascinating how much you panic. Like, Oh my God, this blue thing is like getting right through all of my shit. And you have to like swap people and like figure out a better place to put everyone. If, um, like if I'm controlling the girl and I leave the grandfather, uh, he'll just do wherever I left him, he'll do whatever uh, the AI tells him is like the right thing to be doing. So if I leave him next to turrets, he'll just sit next to the turret and wait until it needs to be fixed. And then he'll just like automatically fix it. Um, there are, there's points where there's like auto, like, like guns that are already built. So if I, took like the girl and put her on a gun and aimed it and then switched to the grandfather. She'd just sit there and auto shoot it forever right. until mm -hmm. I swapped back to her. So you can set a lot of stuff up. Um, and depending on the way that you set it up, each wave will get progressively easier or they'll get way harder because you're wasting materials, you know, presumably you can play this game co-op. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I was, I was just thinking would co-op be infinitely easier. Probably. Right. Because then then you know both of you are moving around yeah there's a split screen option um so the way they do the split screen is quite unusual i've noticed they uh they don't have it seems like they don't use the split screen until it's necessary and then they kind of dynamically change the size and angle of it yeah it looks right. cool the way that they do it i think yeah i've never seen that done before i'm sure it has been done at some point but mm. that's a pretty cool way of doing it yeah yeah, I like the game a lot. I think that there's a lot there. So, might worth a, it's up on a Switch this one, isn't it? Might be worth having a look at it on that. That would make sense if it's on Switch. Mm, that would not surprise me at all. It's it's either already there or coming to Switch. Uh, recently, by the way, we had an uh, announcement that a hat in time is not coming to Switch. Yeah, that's made... weird, but. People, some people very, very fucking angry, <laughs> as it turns out. They never actually promised a Switch version. Uh, I think right. it was just an expectation. But Did they not, maybe during, uh, while they were crowdfunding? No. It was uh, like a, no? They said that the only thing they did during crowdfunding is that they would potentially look into a Wii U version. Obviously, by the time the game came out, that was 
obsolete. And mm-hmm. they never promised it. Like, it wasn't a stretch goal or anything. They just said, we'll look into the feasibility of it. Mm. Uh, the As to why it's not coming, I, I think uh, the explanation they gave is to do with the Unreal 3 engine and the fact that the Unreal 3 engine doesn't play nice with Switch. Mm. And Hat and Time is still on Unreal 3. You know, it's been that that game took a lot of time to develop. It was on an older engine. Um, some people had said, and I'm not exactly sure how true this is or what the technical aspects around it are, that Rocket League is also Unreal 3 and that works. But I have to wonder if there was maybe an awful lot of black magic that they had to do to get that going. Uh, it's also possible that they just would like to move on to the next game and don't want to waste the time. Mm. I mean, yeah, you could argue it would probably make a decent amount of money for them. Probably would. You know, it's, uh, I think the, I don't think the Switch is the gold mine that some people claim it is. And it's over time, Mm. I think, going to become less and less of a guaranteed success if you put something on the Switch. People who got in there nice and early, they made a shit ton of money off it. I was going to say, the more, the more indie stuff that's on there, the more um, difficult it's going to be to get noticed. Stand out for sure. Yeah. Because, it's, yes, it's a curated store, but if there's still 20-plus games coming out a week on it, then, yeah, you're going to have trouble finding some of them. And you're going to have the same problem that... Not not to the degree that Steam has, but the same problem that any busy platform is going to have, that people are not going to get noticed. And plus, there's a lot of fucking competition. You can only buy, you know, a certain number of games at a time, for God's sake. Uh, so I don't, I don't really know what's going on with it. It... The, there was a weird exchange on Twitter. Like, the devs seemed a little annoyed, uh, but considering how they had been treated by the initial responders, let's just uh, we'll call it the Switch, the Switch first response team or whatever, who are very militant about the Switch and getting ports for right. it, I probably would be acting in a similar way to them. I would be very bothered by that. It's like you're not entitled to a version of it, if if they're going to make one, great. If not, that's kind of on them. You know, there's no guarantee it would have made a huge amount of money, although it's, it is a logical platform for a logical platformer. Mm. You know, it is the kind of place you would expect to find a game like that. But, well, there you go. Apparently, it's, it's not going to be a thing for whatever reason. Mm. All right, cool. All right. What else have we playing this week? <clears throat> Jesse, you got anything um, on your mind? Yeah, holy crap. I played a ton of stuff this week. Um, I think right off the bat, uh, just to really quickly give, uh, it's it's an unimportant uh, thing to really talk about, but at the end of the day, it was fun. Uh, the battle for Azeroth Alpha. Uh, mm-hmm. Krendo and I ran through that on the Horde side. Uh, it's still Warcraft. It looks like Warcraft. It plays like Warcraft. But it looked, you know, it was beautiful. Uh, it's all troll zones. And so everything, well, at least on the Horde side. And so it was like really exciting to look at. Everything seemed very Aztec-y. And uh, it was beautiful. It was, it was fascinating, but it's still the exact same game. So really unimportant in the, in the grand scheme of things. It's also an alpha, so who knows. Uh, real talk, though, I am um, uh, fascinated right now with a game called We Were Here 2. Dodger and I played it. Uh, for Fan Friday the other day. We only played it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So as not to spoils. Okay. For the kids. Um, 
I love the concept. It, it is. Uh, I know you played We Were Here, Dodger, mm. which is the original. But uh, this one's a little different, for sure. Is it? Oh, mm. uh, you'll have to explain what We Were Here is. But We Were Here Two is literally just like um, a game where you are two explorers trapped in a crazy castle up in the mountains, and um, you are tasked with helping each other escape. It's an escape room style game, and you and your co-op partner are trapped in two different rooms and you have to like escape together. And so you have to use what you see in the room to help the other person out and vice versa. And so it's like a normal, it's, it's kind of like the escape room, like the real world escape room aesthetic, except in this creepy castle. And um, man, it was a ton of fun. It was like, what runes do you see? Oh, I see these runes and you have to work together. Um, there's the potential for it to get real weird because they're straight up just like a weird ghost thing that we saw i don't know what it was i couldn't tell you what we saw but on my screen at some point i saw this weird shadow creature and at the very end dodger saw something and she was like mm -mm, i'm done so yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the kind very, of shit they were cool. pulling on you in dead space 3 at one point with the co-op where one person would see a thing and the other person wouldn't yeah well it's... you're literally in so and we were here um one person was called the librarian and one person was called the adventurer, I want to say, or the prisoner, something like that. And so mm. one person was literally in the same huge room for the whole game. Oh, because, wow. Yeah, because you're the one who has all of the information. So, like, say that Jesse oh, The and librarian, were, then? Yeah. So say that, say that Jesse and I were playing, and I was the librarian. Jesse would be telling me, like, this is what I see. And I would be going through all kinds of, like, books and stuff that are around the room trying to figure out like, where does it tell me about this puzzle so that I can help Jesse, right? Um, so we were here too is interesting because, and again, we only played a little bit of it, but it seems like it's much more balanced in terms of both of you are going into different rooms and both of you have information that the other person doesn't have and you're having to communicate a lot um, so that you both get stuff done. Yeah, but that it still gives better. you two different... It still gives you two different titles, right? right? Like, it's noble and peasant or something like that. The lord, lord and, and the peasant, yeah. yeah. So I'm wondering how that comes into play or if it does. Librarian but, uh, made sense, so I feel like I don't know. If you want to, if you want to see a fascinating, I'm so glad we put the the video together like this. If you want to see a fascinating look into like you, the viewer, knowing everything and watching Dodger and I try to figure shit out, uh, I included both video like both video feeds yeah and then sometimes overlaying and, and stuff all that kind of thing yeah and um you can see that you know dodge will try to describe something that is very obvious to the viewer but like i'm like what what are you talking about what are you talking about and there's one part where we have to find swords to put into knight's hands but all the swords look almost the same except little that tiny differences hard. that was yeah really and so I can only imagine being a viewer and being super frustrated watching us goof around like, what? What do we do? <laughs> but um, it is it, it had the same vibe as uh, Keep Talking. No, no, and yeah. Nobody, yeah. It that, the exact that same vibe. That asymmetry of like, information where, you know, one person is hyper-dependent on the other mm -hmm. in order to get stuff done. But what I'm liking about what I'm seeing here, like, as you described, Dodger, like, the first game sounds like one person had a very limited role, and if they didn't like that particular role, 
well, tough shit, you know. Yeah. At least, but in this one, it seems like you get to do a lot more, and you are get to be more involved in the game. Mm. And it, it's it, it's more this one. I don't know what the first one was, but this one, as you progress through, becomes more than just like a room escape. At one point, I was I was literally stuck in a stairwell, and all I had access to was like a cross with images on it. And Dodger was like. Okay, I have to solve the puzzle. And while she's doing that, the stairs are disappearing and there's only lava underneath me. So it's like a timed event. Nice. And I was like, oh, yeah. shit. And then you were in a room that was closing in on you while I had to solve a puzzle. I think mm -hmm. that's really cool. So um, I, th I think I think a game like this, I love the concept. It was super fun to play. Yeah. That's cool. I think there's, there's a lot of potential for that sort of thing. I think even particularly with the use of, say, smart devices, to allow you to have additional screens that you can use to have information. Mm. I'm actually mm -hmm. kind of surprised to have not heard of a game like this using smartphones. We'll probably work pretty damn well considering. Yeah. I I don't think I've even done an escape room that utilizes like tablets or anything like that. Now that mm. I think about it. Yeah, and I mean I, I know I haven't done an escape room that's involved one person having information that other people don't have. Mm. Um, oh, I imagine God. that those do exist. They do yeah. exist. Yeah. yeah. I have only done two escape rooms. They were quite limited. Oh, my God. If you get next time you're in Anaheim, y'all should do the hex room because that shit is bonkers. <laughs> what's what's the Dodger? I know you know this. What's the one where. One person is literally tied down in a chair at the beginning and everyone else starts in a different room and the objective is to get to that person. But that person oh, can I've only never, see I've never done that one. I don't know. The person tied down has all this information around them, but they ah. can't move. So they have to like look at all the information. And then everyone else is in different rooms and you can shout to each other and hear each other, but they're all locked in different rooms. That's cool. And then the objective uh, is to get to the person and free them and escape. Interesting. That's somewhat, that is somewhat similar to the hex room. Okay. The hex, the hex room is another one where everybody is. I won't. I won't spoil like the idea of it, but everybody is on their own for the most part, which is fascinating and super <sighs> terrifying. <laughs> it's just like I don't want to hold everybody back, but it's really, really fun. Does sound pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, I'll try something like that. Um. So yeah, you can check that video out over on your channel. You did a fan Friday of that, I believe. Yeah, it was super fun. It was yeah. a, an interesting mechanic. Um, I started yeah. off on Kingdom Come. I don't know if you've had the chance to do that, Kingdom Come Deliverance. Yeah, not yet. It's one of the things that's on my desktop. I haven't had a chance to play, but I hear yeah. good things. Uh, I mean, I, I have played very little of it because I only got a chance to do so briefly this morning. And... I think that it's going to uh, it's definitely going to have a lot of appeal to a certain kind of person and that person might be me to some extent <laughs> okay. because some of the things I'm already encountering remind me of old school RPGs like old school CRPGs things like Fallout mm -hmm. and the old like you know Baldur's Gate Planescape Torment sort of thing where mm -hmm. it seems like there's going to be a number of different ways to solve problems and there are going to be a number of interesting and weird interactions when it comes to skills. Like, there's already the ability to persuade people just by having 
skill points and perks and various different attributes, but persuasion isn't just down to like, I have points in this. It's down mm. to things like if you have a reputation that precedes you, or even if mm. you look intimidating, if you happen to go somewhere and there's like blood all over you, then that can intimidate certain people or could change the kind of reaction that they have. You mm. can even do, apparently you can even clean your sword after you know fighting with it, or you can leave it bloody. And if you go somewhere with a bloody sword, some people may very well react to you differently than they would were that not the case. Right. So mm. that's in itself quite interesting. There's already some RPG-like mechanics in there, like food and needing food. Immediately after leaving my house, the guy was whining about how hungry he was. So like, right, well, I picked up a bread roll and an apple on the way out. I guess that'll do for a little bit. It did me for a minute and a half. And then this guy's like, I'm fucking hungry again. I was like, Jesus, man. Okay, fair enough. So I went and found a pot of stew and ate a bunch of that or whatever. As I imagine that mechanic becoming annoying quicker than it should. Right. Those are the sort of things that when added to games more often than not, they're put in there for added realism's sake and then just become a pain in the dick. You know, it just yeah. becomes unnecessary meter management. The one thing I did find which was annoying when it came to the whole realism aspect, because it's not in any way realistic, it's just they decided to put this in. Right. The way you save the game. So apparently the game will auto-save after you finish a quest. The problem is the first quest I was given is a pretty long, like, five-plus stage quest. So I wasn't able to save there. But I said, well, if you go and find somewhere to sleep, then you're able to save the game by doing that. It's okay. like, okay, I've played games that have done that. That's fine. Let's head back to my house. Because, hey, I, this is the house where I'm living with my parents. Surely there is a bed or a blanket somewhere in this house. Surely. I am either blind or we ain't got no beds. We ain't got no blankets. Uh, what? Where the fuck do we sleep? I have no idea. I couldn't wow. find anything. And the only reason I was able to actually save my progress and not have to start again, because I was doing this frantically before we sound checked for the show, is I went to <coughs> the barmaid and I was able to get a couple of these schnapps. I think they're called savior schnapps. And that allows schnapps? you to... Is... Yeah. Schnapps? Schnapps. Like, 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 like the, the drink, like, like the, the alcoholic the drink, drink schnapps. Yeah. Uh, she she gave me three of those, and I was able to save that way. But you can't just save wherever you want unless you have those things. Otherwise, I you thought, have to find a bed. I thought you were going to say that you drank all of them, and if you drink, like, three drinks in a row, you automatically pass out, and then you force the game to let you save. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me, actually. <laughs> the... I think the game's got to be full of little things like that that some people are going to appreciate and some people are not. Mm. Uh, for the, for some of it, I definitely like the idea of being able to persuade people and have a lot of different factors go into it rather than just a bar. You know, it's, it's cool that reputation matters in the world or that my appearance matters in some way. But things like a hunger meter and limiting saves that way, that's just inconvenient. 
Mm. And I'm going to imagine that these schnapps are going to end up expensive or hard to come by or some other fucking bullshit. So I'm not looking forward to that. The tutorial is also a little lacking. I went and did a little sword fighting tutorial quite you know, right at the start of the game. I'm thinking, okay, good. I'm going to learn how to fight. Well, you learn a bit, a very, very small amount, but you don't learn how to block. Mm. And then the first quest you were involved in involves getting money from someone that owes your dad money. And I attempted to persuade the guy, failed miserably, ended up in a fist fight with him, and without the game having told me at any point how to block. Also, as far as I can tell, fist fighting works differently from sword fighting, so everything that I had learned really didn't have much value. Oh, man. <laughs> I did win the fight somehow. I did win the fight, but I had to go into the options menu to find what the block button was, and it doesn't seem to fully work. I imagine there was probably some other mechanic associated with it. Like, you can't just hit the block button. You've probably got to aim your fists in a certain direction or the cursor in a certain direction in order for blocks to work. Mm -hmm. There's like um, a five-pointed directional system when it comes to your attack swings and things like that. So, yeah, it doesn't do a great job of telling you everything that you need to know right off the bat. The, and the stuff that it does tell you, it tells you stuff that you probably aren't going to need to know yet, but it neglects some pretty obvious stuff. And apparently, it go, this tutorial, you're still getting messages six hours in. Like, the linear Damn. tutorial part of the game is apparently six hours long. So you've got to be ready for that. Like, the world doesn't open up before that. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't be the first game, you know, Persona's tutorial's like eight fucking hours. And as long it's as true. the linear part of the game is fun, then I don't have any problem with them locking down the world up until that point. It's just, I'm not I'm not sure. You know, I haven't played enough of the game to get a good enough feel for it yet. The VO seems pretty good so far. Main characters, VO, everybody I've spoken to sounds pretty good. Dialogue options are reasonably varied. And there's a lot of cool systems behind it. The menus could use some work. They're very cluttered. But I think the biggest problem the game's going to have apparently right now is that it's very buggy and performance is struggling. And I found that, actually. The game doesn't perform brilliantly. It performs well enough, but this is on a top-end system. So if you're running on anything less than that, you're probably going to be running into some issues. And this is after their big... They had a big 20 gigabyte day one patch to apparently address a lot of these issues. And it it hasn't. Uh, there's quite a lot of reviewers are saying the main problem the game has right now is it's buggy and there are performance issues. So, yeah. Watch out for is that. Is it fun, though? I mean, it's, it's hard to say up to this point. I mean... I, don't, I think you'd have to play a good few hours to really figure that out. It seems like it's got the potential to be. The fighting seems like it could be good, but f what it's shown me so far is so limited that it's hard to know. Right. You know. But I do like the fact that it's got a lot of these really cool RPG systems 
and I'm looking forward to maybe building my reputation in this medieval world and having characters react to me in a different way on the basis of things that I've done and right. hopefully have the world sort of be a, you know, a, they're promising a, a living world. I don't know how true that's going to be. Hmm. Mm. It's hard to say. It looks like there's quite a lot of depth in it, which is good. But I haven't, I just have not played enough to really have formed any real solid opinion other than there's parts of this game that are janky and don't run very well. And they're going to have to fix that. Like, it's definitely not a day one purchase, I think, in my eyes. But I'm intrigued by it. I'm going to put some more hours into it and see what happens. Yeah, it looks cool. interesting. I, I definitely want to hear more people's thoughts on it as time goes on because uh, clearly it takes a long time to get into it. So I'm mm. actually going to take more than one or two streams. Mm. Yeah, it's going to require some patience. Uh, I think streamers so far seem to be pretty into it, even if they haven't got out to the open world yet. Right. The, st the stuff that they've encountered has been generally interesting enough to keep them going, so I'm intrigued. And we'll see just how well they do this whole setting. You know, the, what was it? Oh, God. Uh, the sort of 15th century Bohemia, I think, is where it's supposed to be set. Okay. So I'm intrigued to see how well they deliver that and how interesting they make the world as a result of using that particular culture. Mm. We will see. It's, a, it's definitely not a disaster, though, by any stretch. You know, it's it's not one of those situations where there was a Kickstarter that earned millions of dollars and promised the fucking universe and then came out and was an absolute shit pit. It's right. clearly not that, you know, which I, I think there was a genuine risk of that being the case. But it certainly seems a little undercooked, and it's a bit mm -hmm. odd. They're saying, hey, we'll probably have the next patch which is a major performance of bug fix patch in two weeks i'm like well why don't you just wait two weeks i'm not i'm not sure why they're releasing now mm. like are they trying to dodge something i uh, think this is just a it's not a bad release window for pc i mean there's not a lot going on it's true yeah so maybe it's that How much, uh, sorry, if you already said this, how much content are they claiming there is? Ooh, that's yeah. a tricky Ooh, one. Good question. A, a lot. Um, let's see. I mean, I'm just going to Google it. On the topic of promising the world. I'm just curious, like, how expansive. Their, their interview in 2015 with Eurogamer claimed it was at least 50 hours. Okay. So big. You know, they're, they're claiming very, very big. Mm. So, uh, there were some other places that were claiming even more than that, but we don't know yet. No, uh, no one's beaten it as far as I'm aware. The reviews that have come out are probably based on copies that didn't come in until fairly last minute. So mm. I don't know if there's anyone out there that's beaten it yet as a reviewer and can actually say that. I'm not finding anything online about it, but it, you know, hopefully it's going to be a money's worth kind of thing. But Unless you are very much into the setting, unless you are very much into playing this kind of first-person RPG with these very... This word's been bouncing around over the last couple of days for some reason. Yes. Eurojank. Huh. Which I... What does that mean? Well, I think it means... It's based around the idea that there's, there's quite a lot of European games that are sort of cult classics and have very interesting ideas mechanically, but they're not necessarily implemented perfectly. 
like um, Mountain Blade or Stalker. You know, th those are games that have really interesting ideas and they're clearly cult classics, but there's elements of those games that are really fucking janky. And it's mostly European devs that come out with it. They're not super polished, but they are very interesting. Mm. So I think that that term has just been picked up. I, I know it's been around for a good few years, but I definitely apply it here. There's certainly yeah, it's, those weird systems that don't need to be there, but it's a, it's a European RPG, so it, they probably feel like they have to include them. It's one of those things that I think uh, if you went back a few years, like The Witcher 1 would be a very good example. Oh, yeah. The Witcher that. 1 is full of Eurojank. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about that. You know, up until it got to, like, you know, The Witcher 2 and Witcher 3 polished their way out of that. But you could also argue that they may have sacrificed some of their more interesting, more esoteric mechanics and ideas in order to do it. Right. Mm. <clears throat> well, there you go. Apparently, GameStar, which is the German magazine, did beat the game. And they said uh, they could see people putting 100 hours in. But it can be beaten in about 50. It's a good number, you know? I don't, yeah. think, that's, I don't think that's unreasonable. All right, cool. Break time then, I guess. Yeah. When we come back, sure. more about some of the games we've been playing this week. You're watching the Corruptional Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Ladies and gentlemen, let's try that one again. Ladies and gentlemen, Ladies. welcome back. Ladies. Ladies. All four of you, welcome back. Knowing our usual demographics, all four of you, welcome back to the Corruptional Podcast. And everybody else as well. You're cool too. We like you. Ladies. Bup, bup, bup. Yes, that'll be the time we just leave the bar. Yes, this is not. This is not going to be a night that starts or ends well. Let's just <laughs> can it before we waste anybody's time. Mm -hmm. I have to go home, but you can't stay here. Indeed. No. Or you could stay I here and listen to somebody. What do take me home? Yeah, we all were thinking that song. I was. I'm old. Hi. Take me home. I always think of the Weird Al version. Take me home. Well, I know who I want to take me home. <laughs> he just like sings it like he's a puppet. And <laughs> it makes me laugh. He is a puppet. He is a puppet. For the, That's why I connect for big him. accordion. That's right. I'm calling you out, Al. A puppet for big accordion. Big accordion is still fairly small, but it exists. Yeah, it is bigger a than small accordion, is which is very small. It's very tiny. Indeed. Very small. All right. Someone else throw a hat into the ring. What you got? Please oh, say you uh, have something. The new Civ 6 came out. The, yes. The Rise and Fall. Yes, I watched I've been you play some of that. Holy jolly. As well. What you got on that? So, uh, yeah, Civ 6, the new additions, as far as I can tell, are... They've now included a timeline that is of really important events that happen in your uh, society's rise. And um, they all give you points. And these points are used now towards uh, a golden age or a dark age or just like a normal age. And um, at the bottom now where you're like, you're like click here to end turn where you normally just press enter or whatever. Uh, down at the bottom, there's a little uh, circle, and it goes clockwise as time goes on. And the more points you score, uh, if you get blue, 
normal age if you get gold golden age if you do not hit like a complete blue circle you enter a dark age and this literally is just by uh completing certain achievements or building a certain unit or winning an epic battle or keeping barbarians from destroying your shit like there are many 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 things you can do to earn it and then over yes. time as you enter a new age you can select sort of the path you want to take uh, trading or you want to focus on building certain things and i i experienced the entire breadth and depth of this i played as the aztecs and at the beginning, the first round, I just had a normal, I, I managed to get up to blue and was like, okay, cool. I, get, I just think I decided to do trading because I was doing a lot of uh, uh, like trading, whatever those guys are called, traders, <laughs> whatever they're called in this game specifically. <laughs> and so I had a bunch of trading units going back and forth and I was building up my army and I was like, I'm ready to attack. So next time I'm going to go crazy on people. So I went out and I started dominating different nations and fighting off barbarians and I hit a golden age. I was like, oh my God, when you hit a golden age, now you have even better options of what to do for the next age of your um, civilization. And the, the different age demarcations are exactly where they are when you um, age up normally. So it's, you know, bronze age and then like medieval age, uh, well, like bronze, classical, medieval, uh, like that kind of stuff. Renaissance, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so as time goes on, uh, you get to, uh, I, I, here's the thing I don't know, because in the um, scientific screen, it still has scientific and cultural and all those things. It still has the bottom like bar that shows you where you are in relation to every other nation. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm loving that rhymed, but um, the, the game itself tells you like, Hey, there's a countdown of six turns, eight turns or whatever, like four turns until you hit the next age. And I don't know if that's just you or if it's the entire world together moves on together. And I'm, I, I, I wasn't sure. I think it might be just you and it gives you a Pretty warning sure of like- sure it's just you, yeah. Yeah, I think it might be just you. It gives you a warning of like, you have four turns before the next stage, so you better do something important if you want to get, you know, a gold. Well, night. actually, as I say that with the footage on the screen, it literally says the world has entered. So I guess, yeah, I, I guess it's a weird thing where it is sort of everybody, but- you could still be behind and that's kind of yeah, that's like a problem the real world. yeah that's like, a problem in and of itself that probably results oh, in the you entire world yeah entering a dark age you know if you've been dragging ass uh the first two times that i tried to play it i hit the first era change i hit a dark age both times Damn. because my early game just wasn't up to par i guess i wasn't doing enough i didn't achieve enough things I was too far behind in many ways. So mm. I hit Dark Age. And that's not necessarily as bad as it sounds. Well, uh, <laughs> it can be. It can, Like, the Dark Age gives you negative effects and negative... So I was in a Golden Age, and I launched a war against France. You know, the great Aztec-French war. And of course. I went after France, and I was in the middle of this, this battle, but I realized I was so focused on war that whatever I had chosen for my Golden Age was not what I was doing. You, you were neglecting and, it completely, yeah. Yes, and so I was in the middle of the Golden Age and got shot down to a Dark Age while in the middle of a war. Dark Age comes up. Every place that I had taken over from France and also many of my own territories, the Dark Age basically means like loyalty to your people and like, or the loyalty to you as a government and all that stuff declines. Yeah, so now that's, I have, that in itself is a new mechanic, by the way, loyalty. Yeah, so now I have cities in open rebellion. There's little like fists on some cities and it gives you a ticker of like, 
in six turns, this this city will be in a rebellion. So you're like, oh my god. So now they have a governor mechanic, and so you can. I think there are seven total governors. Yeah, you I can think. have. Yeah, you can have yeah, seven governors. I saw that. And so the governors each have different. Like one governor is a religious based governor, and one is a military based governor, and they all have different things. And you can upgrade them much like you would a military unit over time. And so now you're like, oh fuck, move all the governors to the front, put them in those cities. We have to clamp down on this rebellion. But governors to move them, much like everything else in this game, takes time. So now yeah. you're on it, like you're running against the clock, and you're just like, oh god, I'm gonna fuck up again. It is Dark Ages. I can see how if you were just like going like a, a a cultural society a society where you're just trying to like influence others or a religious-based society you might be able to like cruise through a dark age no problem because other than the war and the like people bitching and moaning that i was destroying their families and friends um everything else seemed fine and so i'm very curious like how dark ages affect different nations but yeah i hit a dark age the aztec dark age of like the 1860s and was like ah fine but then um one of the things I learned, uh, when you finally hit the modern age, I, mm. is it modern or future? Whatever the last age is, when you finally hit that age, um, whatever you're on is whatever you have for the rest of the game. So the like hard objective is to hit a golden age, so you get two bonuses moving into the end game. And huh. I hit like a normal age and was just like, I'm fine. At least I'm not in a dark age. I'm good. But I can imagine if you hit a dark age at the very end, that would be rough. That would be a real rough way to go. Yeah. Come I know that this is, I think, going back to a conversation we had a while ago with Civ Six, but is the art style that I'm seeing in this the art style that everybody hated at first? Yes. Um, yeah, pretty much. I they think thought it was too cartoony. So it looks so good, though. Well, they I have agree. updated it somewhat. The expansion does add some really nice effects and things like that, but there were complaints that it was a little too cartoony. Some people right. are even saying, oh, it was... This looks like a mobile game, which is a really weird criticism. I, uh, but some people didn't like it. No. God, the uh, animations I, on like all of the different characters and stuff are so fluid. Like it looks really good. I think. Yeah, I, I liked I, it. I, I think in the past they tried to make it very like this is the realism, but I like the idea that every character is sort of like cartoony, but they um, focus on aspects of them that make them like the historical character. Right, okay. so like Gilgamesh is this big buff dude, right? And he has this giant like it looks like like what you would imagine the painting of Gilgamesh to be, hmm. right? Or uh, or if uh, Disney was gonna make a movie about them, yes, exactly. Or uh, I love the way they do uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Now he just looks like like an old Rough Rider, but in a suit. I think it's phenomenal. I think every I think the designs in the game are great. People are bitching because that's what people do. Is they bitch? Well, it's personal preference. Now, yeah. ultimately, some people would have liked a more realistic art style, and some people didn't. So, here's what is. Yeah, you know, there's not not like really gameplay wise. I I think there's some moments of uh, one of the things they add to the game is they have emergencies now, and you and several other players in the game can join in on an emergency. And there's some like one of the ones I had was like. Uh, I can't let Mecca fall to uh, Frederick's religious influence. So if I joined in on that, I get tons and tons of bonuses if I had done that. Uh, but if it fails and I join in, I lose a bunch. So it's you're like right. sort of gambling with something. And uh, 
I'm interested to see how it plays out because for me, most of the time I was at war with everyone. So I was like, why the hell would I side with these people? And I just ignored them. But I think if I was going something, cause I was, man, I was a monarchy and then I became a fascist. I imagine if I was doing like a democracy or if I was going down a different path, I, especially like a, a one of the trade heavy uh, governments, I wouldn't, I would definitely 100% be in on that stuff. And I'm interested in how that works too. But it also seemed like a lot of, bullshit busy work popping up in the middle of what you're doing because now it's like i know you were trying to build this world wonder but on the other side of the world someone's trying to invade this city and if you can stop them in 20 turns you win like a bunch of money and so i don't i'm not sure exactly what that mechanic is going to do in the long run but it was interesting it was cool i think it's trying to encourage the use of the new alliance system the uh, they updated alliances and diplomacy so that they're much more powerful now. They automatically grant things like open borders and defensive pact and everything, all the good shit. But if you maintain them, they level up. So right. you ha and you have to actively maintain them. As I fucking discovered, I lost my alliance with America because I forgot to contact them to renew it. So we'll, <laughs> we'll make that mistake again. But yeah. the more that you maintain that alliance, the longer it lasts. The more bonuses you get, and it becomes super powerful. So I think the game is encouraging you to build alliances and those emergencies in particular in the later game sort of result in power blocks going at each other and a kind of world war scenario. They, you know, mm -hmm. The amount of people that get pulled into conflicts, especially city-states, whenever there is one, can get pretty ridiculous. You know, there, right. there was a fight between two civs and... Uh, like 14 city-states and the five allied civs as well. And it just became a huge clusterfuck. And I think the purpose of emergencies in particular is to encourage those alliances and try and get you to really focus on building them. That That's my impression of them at any rate. They're, they're a weird mechanic because, like, I don't know how they're triggered yet. I don't understand right. what exactly causes them to happen. Mm. there is one of the things i noticed as well and this is the problem i had with like original vanilla civ 6 is that early game and mid game if you so much as did one thing another nation didn't like they were like we declare war it's like, we're, we're all over okay. you yeah yeah the, AI. And the problem was is you were always like way more advanced than them so they just send you and say die and it's like this was a waste and they'd be like we declare peace and you're like okay click now they're very much more likely to be like, we condemn what you're doing. We do not like what you're doing. And they'll shit on you, uh, but they won't just send units to kill you. And I think now that's a little bit better because I'd rather them just be like, we think you're an asshole. And we don't want to trade with you rather than like, now we're at war with you again. And uh, it goes back to that alliance thing. Because as they hate you, other people who may not even have met you are now like, oh, we heard about those assholes. And so when you meet them, you're like already you super low. Yeah. Yeah. I like that more. Yeah, it's the you know the ultimately the AI is probably still not where it needs to be. It, it's hard to say because I think it becomes much more noticeable the better you are at the game, and mm -hmm. I'm not, and I'm sure an awful lot of people are not. And even then, I find like I've got to be playing on a difficulty of you know six or seven or whatever for the game to be reasonably challenging because anything lower than that 
you can just run everybody over. Oh yeah, I was I, I played on Prince because I just wanted to like see the new Prince is like middle of the road. I just want to see the new mechanics. mechanics I never played yeah, it before. Yeah. Did it on the stream. Uh, everyone, uh, my starting position literally was on. Basically, I was like Spain, but if Spain was all desert and also ice, oh. it was well, that a sounds terrible start. Terrible, terrible start. But because it was on Prince. You know, and you would think, okay, it's Prince. It's like, it's fine. We're right in the middle. You know, you can, I just shit on everyone. So yeah, I think you definitely need to go to like the higher levels, like emperor level or whatever the highest. Yeah, you do. And then it becomes like a real challenge, but you know. But you know, then it gets to the point where there's people that really do know how to place it properly and actually have like opening build orders and all that sort of thing, which I really don't. And they'll dominate like, you know, emperor level or god king level, which I think is like, what, eight. And then, yeah, they will notice the holes in the AI more than a weaker player will. Right. AI's always going to be a problem with a game like that. But I think Civ 6 isn't great, and it's probably worse than some of the predecessors. What? Civ 4 is still the best. What a fantastic game that was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Civ 5 with all the expansions is a fucking damn good game as well. I don't think it's... They're both really good. The interesting thing about this was, I was thinking, right, Civ Six came out with probably more features than any other Civ game before it. Like, it felt like the most complete out of the box. Had a lot of stuff going for it. But it was still flawed in many ways. And the the good old argument is usually Civ isn't finished until it gets to expansions. And in most cases, that's true. Yeah, uh, this I was thinking right. Well, how much is this first expansion going to add? And you know, the issue that I've got at the moment, and that I'm sort of in my second playthrough at the moment, playing on the um, the slightly faster speed, the 33% faster speed. I just go online speed. I give up. I like fast games. That online <laughs> speed is well. It lets you what? crack through quite a lot of games. No yeah, doubt about it does. that. So that's not too bad, but. I think you know that that's kind of the pace that I like. The problem that I found is that I, I haven't none of the new mechanics and none of the new systems have struck me as like complete game changers yet. Hmm. The um the Dark Age thing hasn't really affected me all that much. Like yeah, I go into my Dark Age and then in both games I've played, I've gone into a heroic age after that, and it's not been too hard to get there. Uh, bear in mind, in Dark Age, you also get access to Dark Age policies, which are, they have a downside, but they can be very powerful. So let's say you've got a decent amount of cities out. You can go for isolationism, which means you can't build any new settlers, but you get a huge bonus to inter-city domestic trade, like a yep. massive bonus. So if you've set up for that, you can get a lot out of that. There's one way you can get a big science boost. There's another one where you can get a huge religious boost. And they do change on era-by-era era basis. I did notice that I'm in a dark age right now, and I've got an option for Letter of the Mark. So that's if I use sort of sea-based policy that gives you a huge amount of for raiding and things like that. But that, like, that seems to be their big flagship mechanic. And I'm not 100% convinced by it. Mostly because a Dark Age has never really given me a huge problem. Mostly because I haven't been warmongering at the time. 
You know, when you it's, hit it, yeah, it doesn't surprise me because when you're attacking cities and when you take over cities, loyalty becomes a big problem along with war weariness. Since I wasn't really being very warlike, loyalty has never been a problem for me in any of my games right? up to this point because I'm not playing warlike civs. Uh, mm. Right now I'm playing South Korea, so I'm only really doing war when someone declares war on me and then wiping the fucking floor with them. So... My cities aren't really too worried. They're pretty chill about everything. They've got very high loyalty. So hitting a Dark Age doesn't really matter all that much to me. Mm. Yeah, and, and it also is negated uh, much later on when I finally hit fascism. Fascism just kills war weariness. Uh. And so at that point, no one cared that I was literally taking over my continent and just uh, killing Sumeria and France and then attacking like, everyone else who was on like the Western side. Uh, no one cared. And so, yeah, I think as time goes on, the effects of a Dark Age don't particularly hit you that hard. Although I'm very curious to see what a end game Dark Age looks like. Yeah, that could One be a lot like, messier. It may yeah, just like be because sci-fi I, Dark Age? That could be interesting. It may just be because I had a very compact sieve at the time. And, you know, I generally don't expand that much in my games of sieve. I focus a lot on a few cities. And that also means that Pretty much all my cities have governors, which is a very good way of dealing with loyalty problems. Huge, huge way of dealing with it. So if I had a much larger civilization, sure, I may have run into issues there. And people are saying that the loyalty system is a big deal because you can use it to make other people's cities go neutral and then take them over, take control of them yourself. Yeah, rebellions can happen. If you if you influence other people heavily enough with both religion and your culture, uh, they'll just be like, hey, we want to join you. And then that that's a whole other thing now because then the nation you took them from can be like, the fuck? They'll yeah, come after you can you. do cool. that. And that, what's nice as well is that when you get into an alliance with people, you don't get that pressure. The loyalty pressure is disabled for anyone you're within an alliance with. So I actually had issues with America early on because they'd spawned on the same continent as me. I thought, right, well, I can either fight them or we can just be friends. I'd rather just be friends. Managed to set that up. They were pretty whiny initially about you're settling too close to us. But now I have an alliance. Now that fucking matters. You know, my cities can be nice and close to theirs and we can share the space and there's no problem at all with uh, loyalty conflicts or anything like that. So, I don't know. It may just come down to the fact that I just haven't played a game yet where one of these features has had a major effect on the way that I play. Mm. Right. But in and of itself, that's also a bit of an indictment of the expansion because if you look at, say, Civ Five, where I believe the first expansion brought uh, the full-on religion system that was unavoidable, that's something you had to engage with and really change the game in a big way, I think at that point you could say, well... Rise and Fall adds some really cool shit and makes the game better, mm -hmm. but it doesn't dramatically change the nature of it. It's not a huge overhaul to the point where you're playing a different game at that point. And yeah, none of these the same game. new mechanics are really make you know they're they're not doing it for me as a game changer. They're nice. They're cool because I have to consider them now. But they're not dominating my thought process because 
I'm not really having loyalty problems or anything like that. Oh, I hit a Dark Age? Okay, that kind of sucks, but chances are I'm getting out of it with a Heroic Age, so who cares? And then I just right. get, like, you know, 50 turns of shit tons of money and loyalty and all the sorts of good stuff. It's hard to say. You know, I think I'm just going to have to keep playing more games of it to really get a good impression of it. It's nice to be have an excuse to play Civ Six again, and I'll say that some of the new civilizations are really interesting and have some really hyper-specific ways to play them. Yeah. Can I admit something? Uh-huh. As a person who never plays Civ and the only times I have got just really confused right off the bat and then walked away from it, uh, I assumed... <laughs> I can't be the only one. I assumed that pretty much every single Civ game was exactly the same. Oh, no. no but no, hearing no, you no. guys talk about them, I'm like, oh, apparently stuff, like, really changes from game to game, typically. Yes. There's some stuff that is like, well, that's Civ. You know, you can point directly to it being, right. that's a Civ thing. But every game, they usually change something in a massive way. With Civ Six, the major change was that up until Civ Six, cities were one square or one hex, and everything was self-contained. In Civ Six, it's broken out into, like, urban sprawl. You've got districts where you put certain things. Like, oh, you want a bank? Well, you need a commercial district, and that's right. going to take up space. Or you want to build a wonder? You can't just put 20 wonders in your city. It's in like, where the city, yeah. It's like, hey, yeah, we jammed the pyramids in there, and here's the Eiffel Tower somehow in this mm -hmm. one square. No, you need space for that so urban planning becomes a thing that also okay. means that defending those things is a lot harder you can't especially just especially when it comes to spies now because yeah. spies before would just attack a city and you'd be all right well i'm gonna have a spy in my city to defend again now it's like a spy can attack your industrial sector or a spy can attack your like amusement like who knows yeah and so now i have to like watch everything it's interesting yeah and you've really got to think about where you place your cities as well because Everything is going to sprawl at some point, so it's like, you need space for that. You also need to think about, do I have the right kind of terrain to do what I want to do? Do I have... Let's say you want a city where there's a big focus on religion. You want a, you want a holy site, right? Well, holy sites benefit in various ways from being placed in certain places. Particularly... You put them near a fucking mountain, they love that shit. They're big, right. in, big in the mountains. So if you can somehow find a place on the map where that district would be surrounded as much as possible by mountains, that's amazing. But you also have to consider that that district may benefit from being adjacent to other districts and mm. things like that. So you might want to leave space for that. Like, Same thing uh, with... Uh, uh... If you're doing like a, a research district or, or like... Oh, you know, yeah, that's particularly true with uh, Korea that I'm playing right now. My science district, I get a special science district for being Korean. And every farm that is adjacent to it gets bonus food. And every mine that is adjacent to it generates one science. So mm. if you th you've got to think, right... I'm going to plan everything in advance 
Like, I want to put this where I can get a either a lot of mines around it or a lot of farms around it so I can get the maximum benefit. But I also might want to boost it up with something else and be adjacent to another district, so I've got to think about that as well. Also, you can only build it in certain places to begin with. That's particularly true with wonders as well. It's like, you want to build the pyramids? Well, guess what? Unsurprisingly, the pyramids can only be built in the fucking desert. And only so, flat desert. Only flat desert. Yeah, you can't put it on a fucking hill. Obviously. You can't put it on a hill. So, you know, you've got to plan that. I think, actually, a lot of Civ 6's enjoyment comes from that puzzle. That's what I, I really dug about mm -hmm. it. That, the puzzle of designing the perfect city layout. That's it, maximum bonuses. The, the 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 science religion aspect of it, 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 you're exactly right. The layout is like some many science wonders and many religion wonders will occupy the same space. Yeah. So now you have to like, okay, I have to decide. Am I going to be science or am I going to be religious based? Like you have to make hard decisions as you go forward too, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still think uh, I would like to see the cities be a bit more specialized. Like I think you can put too many districts in one city, honestly. Uh, big, and it's too easy to, to grow that. Like, I'd like to see the population requirement for each district go up. Mm. That would be nice. I'd like That would be a tweakable value I'd like. So you could only really ha have a couple of, you know, maybe three or four districts maximum instead of almost all of them once you reach a certain size. Because uh, that, to me, makes the optimization puzzle and the specialization more interesting. Right. You know, it's really cool to me to have a city where I've spent a bunch of time and planning making it the best it could be for science or the just the absolute culture monster or a huge tourism generator or all that kind of thing. That's that to me is awesome. Right. But you know, it's it's not like this expansion is detracted from that. You know, added a new district, which you can only have one of, which is your government district. And you get a bunch of uh, special mutually exclusive buildings when you go through certain achievements for your empire that sort of memorialize those uh, historical achievements. And I do like the fact that you can just keep tracking. The game really keeps track of what your Civ did, you know? Yeah, the, the new feature where it shows you, like, the timeline with the drawings and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like, you know, well, there was some disagreement, but most people agree that Korea entered the industrial era when it invented this giant fucking rocket launcher or whatever you know Great. that kind of thing uh, that that's nice because it gives you know it gives you a bit of personality and it helps you remember the landmarks along the way it's a good expansion no doubt like you know if you have the game and you want an excuse to play more rounds of it it's it's a good buy you i just, just don't more. Right. yeah and it's not the first time that's happened either. You know, the, some Civ expanders being like, yeah, that was good, but it didn't completely change the dynamic. Right. Right. So maybe it's going to be for Civ 6, we're going to need two expansions to do that. There's still a few things they could do with that. Like they still don't have a World Council or UN kind of mechanic. Yeah, that's that previous true. I games have had. I was going to see one, but no, none ever showed up. No, I mean, you've got those emergencies, but that's not really the same thing. You know, previous Civ games have had a kind of United Nations-style thing once everyone knows who everybody else is and is communicating with each other. There's nothing like that in the game. I 
can't remember exactly what's going on with corporations in Civ 6. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've played a game up to the point where that would be a factor. But, right. you know, Civ 5, obviously, in Brave New World, had corporations were a huge factor, and that was a new feature that they'd added in and all that kind of thing. So there's room for growth, let's just right, say right. that. But improving the AI, that's definitely the area where they should be focusing next couple of months. Just make it as good as you can. I know it's hard. It's a very complicated game. But still, you know, the better your AI, the less people are going to complain. Hmm. Especially since I think the majority of people do play Civ as a solo game, not as a multiplayer game. There's a good multiplayer community for it. And that bypasses a lot of those AI problems. But I'm not the kind of person that plays that game as a multiplayer game. It's just, it's very... It's long. Simple as that. You know, it's a it's a long game. You gotta really commit to it. I think I tried playing it multiplayer once with Jesse and Krendor and I get, I'm never, I'll never play with Krendor again. Krendor's turn turn, so turn three. Turn three, he went a full two minutes. I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I'm min-maxing. I almost no. quit right then. I would yeah. have been done. That he done. was deliberately trying to piss you off. There's nothing you can do turn three that would Turn allow. three, I know. There's I was like, what are you do? doing? He's like, I'm moving my explorers. And I'm like, what? You only yeah. have this one is, this at is maximum like the first two. Time I had ever really sat down to play it. So Jesse was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I play it a lot. Like, we'll help you. It'll be fine. It'll oh, be fine. No. And this <laughs> explains like, why you don't play Civ. You're taking so long. Am I missing something? <laughs> Civ, Civ is actually a very relaxing game, generally speaking. It and your first impression I, of I it. I sit back and just be like, is it because it's that? real time yeah pretty much you can play it in a window you can have it up mm -hmm. and take the turns at whatever speed you want yeah that also has so much really good music in it mm. generally relaxing music with the exception of the fact that i was really enjoying at one point the music for i was playing zulu and i was really enjoying that music and then I think because America became dominant and on the world stage, I got their Yankee Doodle Dandy bullshit for a good 10 minutes. I'm like, God damn it. I want my African call and response style stuff back and all that kind of thing. So you don't, sometimes you, you don't have control over what music is being played. But there's such a variety the of versions it. of Little Baby Bumblebee are not good. <laughs> That's the song they chose for America. Oh God! I well, how much fucking like uh green sleeves and Scarborough Fair do you get for England? I mean, <laughs> fucking hell, not good. But yeah, it's gonna oh. that is definitely gonna eat up more of my time. I think. Yeah. What? A, yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. So. Don't own sub from my child just because Dodge is dabbing. How is that fair on me? How <laughs> is that fair on me, I tell you? Oof. Plus, you'll be missing no, out on the... You though. If you enjoyed that dab, you can subscribe to my channel. God and damn it. subscribe to Total Biscuits But channel. you will not get the benefit that we will be introducing this week of a dis permanent discount from our merch store, I'm just saying. So you might, might not want to do that. Nope. No. Nope. <laughs> you know there's no evidence that I'm not doing that to you right now. 
I know. I could be. It's true. I like you, and you wouldn't know, you and you would have no idea. Constantly dabbing. Yeah, you had all that, the you time. Had a, that. My entire show has been done that way. You know what yeah. I found out recently? The term dabbing is also like a weed thing. Never knew. A dab? I mean, wow, I don't know you, about that. That that's quite naive. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, dabbing is definitely a drug term. There's a lot of things associated with that. I had no idea. I thought that it was just a good old-fashioned ba-bam. No. Also, I don't think that's un- that's really old-fashioned, really, is it? What? The, ba-bam? What, the, yeah, dab? Well, the dab in and of itself. Uh, it was only, uh, what, a couple of years ago that that became a thing. And unfortunately, it's still a with thing. With drugs? I'm confused. Not with drugs. No, that's been that's okay. been a thing for a long time with drugs. Okay. Oh, dear. You take a dab, but what is a dab? What is a dab? That's a great question. That's a question I've been asking for years. What is a dab? What is a dab? What is a a dab or a dollop of sour cream? Sour cream's a drug now? Might as well be. It is a drug. It is a drug. It might as well be. Certainly might as well be. (laughs) So dumb. Uh... Speaking of drugs, yeah, let's do a segue. So, so I found a card game. Yes, I, I, you know, I've half of me's been trying to avoid getting into another CCG, oh boy. especially a digital one. The other half has been like, you need to find another digital CCG <laughs> as soon as possible. Yes, yeah, because right. you, you're done with Hearthstone. You're done with Plants vs Zombies. You you don't have a CCG, and that just Absolutely. seems like you're missing something in your life. Cram, Turns cram. out, which they have not advertised at all, there is a Star Trek CCG that launched very recently into testing, and it's called. Okay. And I only found out about it because on the Star Trek dot com website they mentioned it. They have not advertised this fucking thing anywhere. Mm. It's called Star Trek Adversaries. And I was thinking, oh dear, this is probably going to be awful. Yeah, right. a, a lot of these online Star Trek games are like they'd done several Facebook games, and they were fucking terrible. Unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. uh, there, there was no real—I don't think anyone was expecting anything out of that. But it's like, oh, it's a CCG, and it's a full-on client. You know, you download it; it's on PC. You're like, okay, all right, I'll. I'll give it a try, see what's going on. I'd looked at the screenshots, and it looked pretty good. Like they had fully rendered ships and everything like that. The art seemed good. You know, obviously they were mostly using art from the show. So, like, okay, I'll give it a try. And actually, it's pretty good from what I can tell so far. Uh, it's... What's the best way to describe it? So, it's very much a kind of standard play things onto the board to either kill your opponent's things or hurt your opponent. You know, once your opponent okay. goes down to zero, you're dead. But there's a bit, there's a couple of cool conceits around it. So, for instance, your opponent and you are in a flagship, and you're the flagship of the fleet. And once your f- a flagship's dead, then that's the end of the game. Hmm. You build your deck around a flagship, and that f- each of the flagships comes with eight cards right off the bat so those are eight cards you will have guaranteed and then you build 30 cards more around it 
And are these like other ships or are they crew? They can be ships, they can be crew, they can be things like that. So I, uh, they start you off with some random ship. And of course, I immediately grab something fun. I'm like, I'm going to get the original Enterprise or whatever. So I'm like, got that. And comes with those eight cards. And each ship comes with an auxiliary power and an ultimate power. And you charge those up by doing damage or taking damage. So once you use one of those, you get to draw one of those eight cards as well. So certain ships have different cards. You know, some will be very aggressive. Some will be more based around healing your, healing your stuff. And that's sort of what your flagship is going to do. That's going to be your flagship's role to use that energy and also draw those cards. Otherwise, you're drawing from your deck and you're playing ships on the board. You can have up to four. And you can also, uh, some of those ships have crew slots. And some of them uh, can take up to two crew members. So you can put, you know, famous captains and everything. They've mixed everything together. So you can have fucking Captain Cisco on the regular Enterprise and, you know, put Kirk on the Enterprise D or whatever. You can do all that shit. I mean, of course they were going to do that. And crew members, they buff the ship they're on but they also provide special abilities that are usually triggered by something. One of the more interesting things you can do in that game is you can retreat the ship. So you don't have to have a ship on the board until it explodes. You can actually retreat a ship and get refunded the cost of it instead of attacking with it. And I believe, I'm not 100% sure on this because it didn't fully explain the mechanic, the ship or the crew member might actually go back into your deck so you can get that kind of thing back. And some of them have some interesting abilities. I think uh, one of them, I think it was uh, Dr. Polanski from season two of uh, TNG. I had her in a ship. And it's like every time you retreat a ship, everything else gets a heal and shit like that. So you can do some pretty cool synergies depending on who you've got. You can use crew just to buff up a ship. But more often than not, you'll want to put a crew member in a position where they can create some kind of crazy combo when something happens. Other than that, it mostly plays like Hearthstone. You know, you get one energy per turn. You can target either the enemy hero or the enemy's ships. If a ship has Guardian, then it's it's like Taunt. If a ship has, you know, Core Breach, that's basically Death Rattle. If a ship has charge while well, it's charged, you know, it's all that kind of thing. Uh, but it's cool that everything's fully 3D rendered. You know, the ships look really good. And the crew mechanic and the retreat mechanic and everything are just a little bit different. So I might play it a bit. It has it already has Quark's Arena and bullshit like that in there. So I might try that out. It looks it looks promising so far. It's also nice that there are a lot of flagships right out of the gate. It's not really like a class in Hearthstone where everything's completely different. It's a bit less than that, but you have a lot of choices of them. There's uh, Klingon ships and Federation ships, and there's like 20 of each, I think. So you can pick a lot of different stuff. Yeah, it's neat. It seems all right so far. Cool. Hopefully they do well with it. Nobody's playing yeah. it right now because it's not advertised anywhere. It's not on Steam. But you said right it's now. in beta, right? It's yeah, like... it's due. It's 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 a test right now. Mm. So they could still put it on early access on Steam. That would probably be a good idea. But then right. again, maybe they're avoiding Steam. I actually hope they're not. 
because no one will fucking play it if they don't. And even if they do, they might not anyway. Because let's be honest, CCGs, it's a pretty tough market right now. What do you think is like, for a developer, what would be a reason that would make them say, oh, we shouldn't put this on Steam? Uh, main reason is money. Like, if you've got a game with microtransactions in it, Steam takes 30%. So, Damn. if you can afford not to be on Steam for a game like that, you want to avoid it, you know? Right. Blizzard had a really good client with a big install base when they released Hearthstone. A lot of other games tried to go independent with Steam, but were eventually forced to go on Steam because no one was playing the game. And that wouldn't necessarily even work... Yeah, that's not the salvation, necessarily. We saw, um, like, RuneScape, the RuneScape card game, which was actually really cool. It had that Steam release. It gave it a couple of months of life, and then it just died. Yeah. So there's no guarantee. But I think if, if you can stay off Steam with a game like that, where people are buying a lot of card packs, you're going to make 30% more money. Right. Right. But you're also going up against a ton more competition, too. Yeah. And so, like visibility, right? right. Market visibility. Well, the visibility is a huge thing. You know, nobody yeah. knows this game's currently around right now. There's barely any results at all. On Except for 7,297 people. Who yeah, currently watching the live stream and however many people watch the VOD. Yeah, I should, I should have charged them for this. But... <laughs> 30%, everybody. Indeed. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, it's, it seems strong so far. It's hard to know with games like that because like, do I want to start throwing money into a game that may very well be dead in a couple of months? Because we've seen right. these games come and go. I don't know. All I know is that you can't actually throw money at it right now because it's in tests, so they just give you a bunch of free shit. So you might as well try it because you get a bunch mm. of free shit. Give that a shot. See if it... it it's, uh, it's different enough for me to make me want to play more of it. And, of course, the theme is strong. You know, obviously. Right. That, that helps a lot. Obviously. It's Star Trek, obviously. Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, they brought out a Star Wars card game, which they have several of. And the fucking Star Wars miniatures game that's coming out at the start of next month, I think, which I'm extremely excited for. How long have we been waiting for Star Warhammer? A long Yo. fucking time is the answer. I saw it at uh, PAX South. It looks cool. Yeah. There are a lot of people playing it. Yep, I've, I've got my order in for a lot of miniatures. Let me just put it that way. I didn't uh, know that that was a real game, and I thought you were making a Star Trek X Warhammer goof. Uh, well, we kind of are. It's it's called Star Trek Le a Star Wars Legion, but I'm so calling it I'm calling it Star Warhammer. Yeah, because gotcha. it, it's what it okay. is. You know, it's a very it's not it's about as similar to Warhammer as you can get. It's got a lot of different ideas behind it, but it, it is a army based miniatures game. Okay, got it. Yeah, I was uh gonna I was about to make a joke that I. You said Star Wars card game. I literally have a card holder of the old Star Wars trading card game. Oh, the really old one? Back yeah. in the day. Filled with cards. I haven't ever used it. It's still. I just got it because I wanted to collect the different cards. Now it is a burden upon my life that I don't want to ever <laughs> get rid of. But at the same time, I know that I could. Yeah. Don't, I just can't collect things anymore. I'm like, what do I do with this? Yeah, because it's, it's probably worth nothing now. Oh, yeah. That, the that system will be completely dead. Yeah, it's like Beanie Baby value. Like, no one no one wants it. No one wants it. I just have it. I have a thousand cards in this binder. I have every single possible card through, like, two expansions. Why? Because fuck me. I was 17 and thought it was cool. 
Yeah. Why wouldn't you? I, I, I think I've still got a bunch of the old World of Warcraft. To be fair, there was there's there's still a pretty strong argument that game was actually better than Hearthstone in many ways. The old WoW one? Hell yeah. yeah. That thing was great. Also gave you cards for in-game. Yeah, it did. Well, I, I remember the, uh, the fucking Spectral Tiger mount and how much that ended up being worth. Holy shit. The rooster. The, the, the fact that you can... That thing, I think, is several thousand dollars. Like, it's just a chicken. You ride a chicken in WoW. Yeah. And I would... I'm going to go look up how much that is on eBay. That thing was the rarest card. Well, I mean, it's, it's only going to get more expensive because they never reprinted them, obviously. They, that, that game stopped being produced. So there's only a limited number of those things that ever existed. Same with the Spectral Tiger. I, I'm trying to think what the rarest thing that I got from it was. Um, I want to bring up a list because uh, they had a... Yeah, the, 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 every set they released of the WoW TCG, they had three rare loot cards that had scratch-off codes that you could redeem in-game. Uh, El wow. Pollo Grande. Uh, El Pollo Grande. Right yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah, El Pollo Grande is the uh, chicken mount. That thing, unscratched, is about seven hundred bucks. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at the value on. There's WowLootCards.com right mm. now. Uh, the Heroes of Azeroth, the most expensive one they had. The according to this, they had the Salt Water Snapjaw, which was the rideable turtle. You can get that for hundred and fifty dollars. But the Spectral Tiger, which came out two expansions in, $1,500. Jesus. Um, there, was a, there was a rocket, the X-51 Nether Rocket, that people were super hyped about until they then released another version in game you could get, which devalued it completely. Uh, I'm trying to think what was on my WoW account. Uh, the Corrupted Hippogriff mount is... That's one, two. That's 500 bucks. Jesus. Yeah. Oh, uh, Disco Inferno? Yeah, I have that. Um, I also had the Foam Sword Rack uh, and Center of Attention, which just makes you stand on a plinth and do a pose and shine for like five minutes. There was some pretty cool shit, honestly, in that. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a good tie-in between the uh, game and the card game. It made oh, yeah. people who played the game want to play the card game. Or at least yeah. collect stuff to get cool things well yeah it actually just made them gamble hundreds of dollars in the hope that they get a very yes. valuable card which really was not great let's be honest uh or or if you want it's not the same card but on a card if you want to go back a few years 2005 murky baby blue murloc egg yeah 3500 dollars. yeah because good luck finding one that was on scratch that's 2005 God. blizzcon loot mm. <laughs> I redeemed mine. first one. And I've got one on my main account. Which would probably up the value of that account significantly. But yeah, if someone happens to have one of those that they didn't use, it's worth a lot of fucking money. Yeah. That was before they started giving the loot out one digitally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you, could, you, couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't buy the digital pack in the first couple of years because they didn't have a broadcast package. So the only people getting that loot were the people that went to BlizzCon physically. Right. And they had physical scratch-off codes instead of it being a big package that was just added to your Battle.net account. Yeah, I definitely gave mine to people, and now I wish I had kept them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I gave uh, the Blizzard bear because I was like, I'm never going to need this bear. That thing is not valuable. I got that bear. 
Yeah. And uh, the murky one I gave away in a, like the very the 2005 BlizzCon, I gave away all that stuff in like a contest. Oh, that's what we're doing, like, podcasts and shit. Yeah. yeah like back in the day. Yeah. The yep. first couple of BlizzCons, I gave away everything. Now I'm like, I will keep this forever. So. <laughs> I think uh, Blizzard gave us you a few to know. give away on one radio and was like, we should have embezzled that, honestly, <laughs> but yeah. never mind. That's what happened. God, it's crazy to think how much stuff, how much that became worth. Oof. yep but that's uh, like that's the crazy thing is i think everyone's trying to go for that every time anything of like collector's value comes out like course, yeah. this could be the one that in 20 years is worth like a thousand it never is though 99 percent of the time it never no. is it's trash you've collected trash yeah so you know maybe don't hold that shit <laughs> it's not gonna benefit as I you down, as i look down here and see this big stack of cards like hmm, you're never gonna I do made terrible choices yep. i would have saved that money invested when i was 17 boy would i be good right now that was a straight up awful idea mm-hmm. should have bought bitcoin oh well. <laughs> all right folks let's... saved it for bitcoin indeed let's take a break when we come back we'll tackle some news you're watching the co-optional podcast don't go anywhere ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the co-optional podcast for the Final 45 minutes or so of the show. A little bit of news, a little bit of releases. God, there is a lot of shit this week when it comes to releases. We've been trawling. We've been trying our best, but there's not a lot of great stuff in there. I don't know what you guys are talking about. I just found the holy grail of this whole thing. Of course you did. You know what? I can probably guess what it is. Of course you did. You don't need to. No, let's just save it. Don't guess now. It's called like Cat Party 12. Cats at a party. 12. Cats. Oh, I mean, that's, cats that, again. that's a very normal thing for me to grab. Oh, cats. <laughs> oh, so cats, this is cats. not normal? Great. All right. News, 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 news. First yes. piece of news uh, will be perhaps good for some people and alarming for others, but one way or the other is probably not something the games industry is too happy about. A little while ago, we heard interest from a senator in Hawaii that, Mm. you know, they were not too happy with loot boxes and gambling. Specifically, they were set off by... A whole bunch of people come together. Oh, yeah. I'm a mother. I'm a gamer, etc. All that kind of thing. Yeah, all coming together to condemn gambling because EA was a dick with Battlefront 2. So, again... Congratulations to EA for bringing this shit down on everybody's head. Well done. There are Thanks, now EA. there are now some bills, as it turns out. Whoops. Yep, a pair of bills. Uh, there's House Bill 2686 and Senate Bill 3024 would prohibit the sale of any game featuring a system wherein players can purchase a randomized reward using real money to anyone younger than 21 years of age. The other bill, which is House Bill 2727 and Senate Bill 3025, which is being proposed, would require video game publishers to prominently label games containing such randomized purchase systems, as well as disclose the probability rates of receiving each loot box reward. That's actually fascinating. Mm, Yeah. They'll have to disclose all of that. Yeah. One of those has no fucking chance, by the way. And that is the that that's the age one, because mm. we've had this before. Like we've had some very similar 
situations when it comes to selling games to people of a certain age and the illegality yeah. of that. We right. dealt with that around the Jack Thompson days, and I believe there were some fairly serious First Amendment issues surrounding that. So I don't think that stands a chance. The other one? Maybe. Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know that either will pass. I feel like, I don't know what's going to, I don't know. I feel like there's, there's somewhere someone's going to be like, uh, what if we gave you money instead? You know, you're, I don't. You're saying that there's a video game lobby group called the ESA that might very well not want this. Although I have no, no problem with the ESA. ESA, let me go to E3 this year. Thanks. Wink. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're doing great, guys. Keep it up. I mean, yeah, it it's these are bills that are going to create situations where less people can buy games. So that's not yeah. going to be exciting for a lot of people or indeed you know just reduce revenue streams in general and all of the big publishers are part of the esa lobby lobby group so that includes ea mm. they would not be so pleased about that you know the the 21 or that's not going to happen like you would have to to get past all of the first amendment issues and things like that you would have to actually classify loot boxes as gambling Yep. In very real terms. Which, which is a pain in the ass. That that's going to be a very hard thing to do. Yeah. Uh, I think some of us already agree it's gambling. Some people do not. Some people make the distinction. It's controversial as to whether it is or it's not. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, um, the other bill, prominently labeling games and forcing the disclosure probability rates, is more likely... What will that really do? Not a fucking lot. I mean... No. It'll sure. be interesting to people like us, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I... Dis- a disclosing probability rates, I think, should be happening anyway. Yeah. I mean, they already tried to do that in China. Yeah. And, you know, I know some companies, including Blizzard, weaseled their way around it. That should be there by default. Like, I don't know why companies would obfuscate that other than to try and deceive their players well and also players on the other hand uh this is something you know all the different games where you have to loot like i'm trying to get a special rank six character or whatever and some of those games will literally tell you the odds like here's the percentage rate in which you will get this yeah and every single time most players are like never tell me the odds and they just han solo gif it and just keep going because it's you want the thing so bad that you don't care that it's going to take you a hundred dollars to do it you just need it and so you know i i i wonder if if having rules you know uh, saying that you need to show exactly what the rate is will do anything to anyone most whales are still gonna buy it anyway because they don't give a shit i mean it's not neither of these well one of these things would severely discourage the addition of these systems but there's no way a million years is getting passed there are way too many problems with that and the other one isn't really going to discourage anything you know we already it's a very esrb style thing of putting a warning on the box well it doesn't really matter you know increasingly boxes don't matter we're heading towards a digital age for everything is that ever going to actually be considered by 
a parent buying a game for their child unlikely Mm. You know, if they're not even considering the stuff that's on if GTA Five, to see whether or not it's got a mature right. sign on it, yeah, then. they're not even going to see you know violence, sex acts, torture. Then simulated gambling and loot boxes is probably not high on their agenda. There, they need to do what they did with uh, packs of cigarettes, where they put like diseased lungs on them. They need <laughs> to have like an eviction notice on a game. Like this game might contain gambling. You could lose your house. Like that. They, I just need that stuff. Like terrible worst case scenario things. Images on like just you like a guy in a box. Far. Yeah. Well, not that. That's stupid. That's stupid. That's not even. But you know, I just, I just think there's ads to come back. That's all. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a car, so you wouldn't steal a movie. Yeah. They they should be forced to have things on the cover that say. Think about how many of the fucking games you could have bought instead of these loot boxes. <laughs> oh my god. GameStop or just video game stores in general should have loot box games and then next to it, games you could buy with the money that you would save not buying this game. Yeah, they could like I, it would be amazing. They could Another offer category. like extra trade in value for games or loot boxes. <laughs> well, I mean, GameStop already doesn't like loot boxes why would they you know it's uh, it's one of those forms of revenue they have zero access to they hate it so they would actually be motivated to do something about it yeah. not that i don't think gamestop is really going to be that relevant in a few years and their relevance is waning but yeah they, they have a vested interest in not liking microtransactions and things like that because mm. they don't get a cut of it you know, they want people playing games, trading in games, buying more games. That's where they're making their money. Mm. And yeah. games where you buy microtransactions, in particular stuff which gives you, like, unlocks for your account and shit like that, you have this sunk cost mentality mm. where the more you've put into it, the less willing you are to leave. Yeah, right. and I think totally. We've, we've talked about that a lot. Yeah, uh, we've Warcraft probably all experienced be... it. Yeah. That one. Yep. Warcraft's one. Uh, League of Legends was one for me because I had so much on that account. I'm like, oh god, I shouldn't leave. Think of the money I've spent. But I'm mm. like, I'm not having fun though. But all the money and all the stuff I've got. Hearthstone's another one. Hearthstone's a huge yeah, one. You know, sure. I, I think it was actually helpful that I knew I'd made money on that game through streaming and YouTuber. To actually to like walk away. Yeah, yeah. To let me walk away. If I hadn't, if I was just a regular player. I'd probably still be throwing money at that game. Mm. But there's definitely that. You know, I've had it with a couple of mobile games, that fucking Star Wars game. Like, the amount that I've put into this, I shouldn't leave. It's like, yeah, but I'm not enjoying it. I had to force myself to stop playing the uh, Final Fantasy game. I had yeah. to, like, delete yeah. it off my phone because I was like, Did you I'm really? not going to play this. I'm f oh, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to play this. I'm fine. I'm not going to. I spent. Uh, more than I'd like to admit getting Cloud because I saw Sam was trying to get Cloud too and I was like, I'm going to get Cloud before Sam. And <laughs> at that point I was like, oh, I have a fucking problem. And so I just deleted it from, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need to get out while I can. Had to delete it. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not okay with, I can't go back. I, now that I, when I see games that are like, yeah, you have to spend money on this one. I'm like, mm -mm, okay, we're going to, we're going to shut this one down. Delete. No, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely changed the way that I look at mobile gaming in particular. And it's vastly reduced the selection of games that I'd even think about trying. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't bother. 
Because I'm like, I know where this is going. I can, right. I can see what's going to happen with it. So why even start? Why even waste the time starting? Meanwhile, uh, mobile games in general, overall, overtaking all their form of gaming. Like, it is... We're, uh, I, the amount of times that I've seen, um, especially in our industry, people like switching to like, hey, today we're going to talk about this mobile game that just came out. I don't blame people for that. Like, it seems... I know that on, like, YouTube and stuff, when you did a mobile game ad, people were like, the fuck is this? Yeah. Now, I don't know that I... I feel like things are... More people are interested in, like, good mobile games, which sometimes include money true. transactions. I, I, I mean, yeah. so, I'm interested in good mobile games. The problem is there aren't all that many. It's actually very hard to find them. There's a... Well, I think if you're like a lot of people are willing to overlook the money transaction bit and say, Oh, that's a good game. We just have to like pay money for it and stuff. I think good is it's defined differently by different people. And so, I mean, they're popular for a reason, right? They have to be, or they wouldn't get made still. Yeah. I have to wonder how many survive, you know, you see so many come out and there's no way in a million years that most of those games can stay afloat you know the 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 thing about you know we've talked about the whale idea before whales stick with games that are popular and mm -hmm. whales need that player base mm -hmm. to actually keep it popular and make sure the game's working properly and if that player base goes somewhere else the whale is not going to stick around and keep spending money right they'll go someplace else. the whole idea of a whale is i have the cool shit and then beat up people like that's yeah. that's the idea sure and so if there's no one to beat up and there's no more cool shit to buy what's the point of staying yeah that's 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 absolutely the way that would look at it like real like real whales real whales they move on when there ain't nothing cool left they move on to go beat up other people yeah they need more algae i, I don't know about the whole beating up thing but they oh, do whales they notorious def... fighters oh, okay. they go around right. they travel around the world pick fights with everyone i'm not much like, of a marine biologist human... but i can't really argue with you you might be right i know it's... a few marine biologists i'm on the coast like it's i know, know it's a california thing whales just they fight all the time it's, okay. it's true that's yeah. it is known yeah, yeah. It is well, known. It's it interesting is known. we talk about this because it leads nicely into our next topic, which is Ubisoft and their admission of really loving the idea of the so-called live service. So we've heard the term games as a service quite a bit. Right. Well, what Ubisoft's cloud gaming. Yes. Well, Ubisoft seems to like the name live services. And there were a couple of nice little slides that they made. I think it was must have been during their maybe a recent investor call or something along those lines, uh, or some sort of workshop where they're talking about what exactly they want to do in future with franchises and how they want to make money and how they want to keep people in that game and comparing this whole idea of what games used to be in the past to what games should be in the future. And there was one particular slide that I found quite interesting. And it was a list of the way that the industry used to work in the past, according to them. I can't put the slides up. I don't have a way to do that right now. And what those, yeah, how it should work now under the live service model. So I'll read them out. Initially, they said, look, games industry was hit-driven and a cyclical business, meaning that... 
you made a game, you released it, you hoped it was a hit, you moved on to the next game. Either the sequel or something else. Now they're claiming with live services that games are a recurring revenue business. So you put the game out there and you expect it to continually make money over a number of years. And the way it's going to do that is by keeping players hooked in, keeping them online, keeping them buying things for their account and making sure that they become invested in that. And that leads on to the second part of it, whereby they said previously games had low user engagement and now we're looking for high user engagement. So we're looking for players to come back every fucking day. You know, we're looking for the MMO attitude of you log in every day. In the past, games were console-focused, now multi-platform businesses. So not only PC, but also, of course, mobile devices. In the past, games were developer-centric, and now they're player-centric? I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> That's a very meaningless thing to say. But also the next part, game experience versus platform experience. I don't really understand what that means. And last but by no means least, which I think is the most relevant part of the slide... It used to be focused on number of games sold. Now it's lifetime value. The amount of money that you can get from a single person over the course of their lifetime in the game. And you're hoping that that lifetime in the game is going to be pretty damn lengthy. Hmm. So they want games that you play for a very, very long time. They right. want games that you're continually spending money on. And that's been something that companies have tried to figure out the magic formula to for years. Yeah. It's very true. And more often than not, it doesn't necessarily work. But when it does, it makes a shit ton of money, right? You know, League of Legends and Dota and CSGO, games that have large user bases that are continually spending money in those games are making money hand over fist. Games like Hearthstone, they're making money hand over fist. And these are games where the players are expecting continual development, like new content all the time, reasons to come back, a new tavern brawl every week, new quests every day, so they want you logging in every day to make sure that you're there. You know, games like Destiny are the same. But those games, they're also pretty huge time vampires. Like, they're sucking up... They're designed to engage a player to the point where they're going to spend a lot of money. And in order to do that, you've got to get them playing for a large number of hours. Right. Thing is, that, you know, the more of this that we see the worse this is going to get because you only have a finite number of these hardcore gamers that will play games like this and they only have a certain number of hours in the day. So how many of these games will they realistically buy and spend money in? And what's more worrying, what will be more worrying to me as Ubisoft is will the game they choose as their game to really invest in be one of ours because mm. if it's not well our old model of trying to sell you a hey you know we've got a new game out and we're releasing a new game every couple of months well i'm going to turn around and say well i've got a game 
and I keep throwing money at that game. I have a game, and that's the game I play. And it's not like those people don't exist. Millions mm -hmm. of people like that exist that just play League, or they just play World of Tanks. There are huge numbers of people like that. And they so, just won't play any other games. Like, and going back to the idea of like the live services and keeping people on and active and like constantly playing, um, I'm looking at at the numbers right now for EA. And so in the third quarter, they posted a 200 million dollar loss. But what that is is that's just them paying taxes. Uh, as of February 2nd, they were up 10 percent uh, in stocks, and it turns out that live services grew 40 percent for about 800 million dollars. Uh, so yeah. literally every bad thing people are like, yeah, you suck, Battlefield, uh, Battlefront 2 is terrible and we're not gonna buy it, it doesn't matter because EA as a whole, the entire live services industry they're creating is constantly generating the money. So yeah. you can hate on one game, but every other game they have is like, money, 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 money. Well, yeah, their sports games all have live service elements heavily integrated into them, mm -hmm. you know. And those live service elements are money services. You know, in particular, in the case of Ultimate Team, they're gambling. You know, the new, the new UFC game now has that. FIFA has it. What and all pretty much all the other sports games that EA do now have that. They have tried to put it into their other games. Obviously, they got shoved back on Battlefront. They'll try again. And of course, right now they're looking at Anthem. And they're looking at that as being hopefully their big live service destiny competing game. I where can't, the more they show that gonna, game, the more uh, I'm like, this is going to be microtransaction city. I am terrified because the concept looks cool. I guarantee everything's you can buy everything in that game. I'm waiting for it to happen. I don't see why they wouldn't. You know, right. they're in, they're investing so much in it. If you think about it, how could it be anything else? The amount of money they're putting into Anthem. How many of those games would you have to sell in the traditional way? Oh, man. I was, you're absolutely right. I was just looking this up and I deleted it or I closed the window because I didn't think we were going to talk about it. But straight up, uh, EA did a press conference, a quarter three press conference where they were like, hey, um, yeah, so people are asking about Battlefront and, and what was going on with that. Literally, they said they brought three studios together. They put a lot of money into it. And their whole idea was like, we want to make this game for Star Wars fans. And so their rationale behind all of it was like, well, then we can charge extra for this, this, and this because we put all this money into these studios. So of course, the more money they're gonna throw at a thing, especially with Anthem, the more they're gonna want their return. And yeah, so of course back. they're gonna put stuff in it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. They're building a game that they imagine is probably going to last five plus years. Mm -hmm. And they're hoping that people will play it for that long yeah. and will keep putting money into it. And the more money they put into it, the less likely they are to leave. And particularly with games like that, if we you know, go back to WoW and think about what we're talking about with that sunk cost idea and how many times you didn't leave WoW because of the amount of time you'd invested in it, but then the additional pressure of your friends saying, please don't leave, who also are in a similar situation. With Anthem, if they get their social features right which is something that I think they failed with. with Destiny, Destiny does not too. have. Destiny has shitty yeah, social features. That, yeah, which is pretty stupid of them. You know, it, it, because that keeps people playing. That's why there's such a big drop-off with people playing Destiny. I don't think EA is going to make the same mistake. They're going to make sure, because they know 
that the power of peer pressure is potent. It's a very powerful way of keeping people playing their game. And the more you keep people in the game, the more likely they are to eventually spend money on part of it. And we don't know exactly how Anthem's business model is going to work. Is it going to work in a similar way to Destiny's when it comes to expansion content, where you buy the expansions? Or are they going to be purely reliant on microtransactions? If they're purely reliant on microtransactions, I expect the MTX to be incredibly aggressive. Mm. Now, at least with Destiny, they get, they have that revenue stream of being able to sell, you know, every X number of months a huge content pack to people that you basically need in order to keep going. Right. So that and, model and... works for them. It's basically a subscription. Let's call it what it is. You know, it's mm. it would have been a fifteen dollar a month subscription. As it stands, you know, with the first Destiny pack, it was $30 after the first two months for a content pack that you needed in order to progress. Yeah, I I, I feel like just every, every vibe I get is Anthem is like the just very, it seems like a, if I was in committee, it's like the camel of, of, uh, uh, like video games, like a committee designed video game where they're like, how are we going to latch onto this idea that people love? And let's take this. And then we need to make money this way. I'm terrified that this game is going to be just a mess and kill a studio because oof, it, 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 it has the potential to be great, but also has the potential to let everyone down. So we'll see. Yeah. And I'm interested to see if it even works with core gamers. Right, because right, because in many ways it hasn't so far as like, what is this game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a big pushback against what Destiny Two is doing. There was a huge pushback against what Battlefront did. I don't know what Anthem's going to do, but it wouldn't surprise me if they run into a similar situation with that. Look, I, I, I'm, my fear is that this is the game that's just going to kill Bioware. And like every other EA studio, they're like, hey, we're going to shut down and move everyone else uh, to other places, which I'm terrified because Bioware, for what it's worth, like there's still like a little love there that I have for them that I want them to like hit a home run and make a fantastic game. I'm terrified. I don't don't wish failure on them. Right. Right. Absolutely. You would. But yeah, there's just this obsession with making a game that's going to run. And constantly make money, this recurring revenue business, the term that they use, the high user engagement, that obsession, instead of just spend X amount of money to make a game, release it, make Y amount of money, hopefully make profit. If it's successful, work on a sequel, make a franchise out of it. If it's not, move on to something else. My fear as well is it just means... We get less games from those studios and those big publishers and less interesting games because from they big just... publishers, sure. But I think we've talked about this, like the, the mid-range, the like double A or like yeah. just like the lower, those people now have the potential to be the next big thing and to create things that, that really inspire because AAA is all about making money now. Like, I mean, it was before, but now it's oh, like course, blatantly yeah. obvious. It's making money all the time, you know? Right. It's not okay to just sell a game anymore. Now you have to, two or three years down the line, still have access to this person's wallet. 
mm-hmm. which back in the day wouldn't be the case unless you were running an MMO. Yeah. And and I think as people I, I'm cur- I'm very curious as uh older gamers age up and younger gamers come into the fold, what sort of the vibe's gonna be? Because I keep feeling that all the like 25, 26, 27, 30 plus gamers are like tired of all the like oh, we are. Be online all the yeah. time to do this shit. No, I don't got time for this. Yeah. Right? We definitely are. And it, it, I mean, the time thing is the biggest thing. You know, uh, people of that age, we can't sit there for 12 hours a day playing this. We got shit to do. We got real life shit to do. Right? Yeah. The younger generation. Sure, especially if it's mobile-based, you know, where you could do it pretty much anywhere. Yeah, to some extent. But I I do wonder where, you know, where what they're playing and where their money is going. And I'm right. talking about the core audience, you know, not necessarily the more casual audience. We know where the sports game fan audience is going. You know, we know in many ways where the housewife audience is going and all that sort of thing. But I am interested in that core gamer demographic that is a lot younger as to what they're currently playing and where their money is going to end up going when they hit the point where they actually have money to spend. Right. No, because I don't think like a 14-year-old gamer isn't really of much value to any of these publishers. You know, they don't have a credit card. So unless they're taking money from their parents, you can't get access to their... To their cash they don't really have any disposable income but in a few years they'll have a job or some form of income and then where will they choose to spend that within the game space I, i'm curious if this is one of those things where as a company you see it as get the money we can get now because in the future things will change because i keep thinking about young kids and the games they play and how drastically different they are than some of the games that are being released by companies like a lot of people just play Minecraft and like just like the idea of building stuff and creating things and they have very little limitations put on them uh, depending on the platform they're playing on. They can just like goof around and do whatever. Um, a lot of young kids will play mobile games, but they will definitely not buy things. They will yeah. just play it and then they'll get really bored with it and move on. And so I'm curious if five years from now, those seven, eight-year-olds move up to the like now we're ready to play on some cool consoles and shit if they're just gonna be like "Mm, no i don't want to do that like this game that you've created doesn't let me create and so i'm I'm interested i'm interested in what time will do to the games industry it's also intriguing to me that as you were saying the younger kids they'll play these mobile games but they won't spend money on them that by the time they are ready to spend money they're already wise to this con yeah they're like you know what We've already seen this shit on mobile. Like, we we know what you're trying to do. And it was bullshit then, and it's kind of bullshit now. And I want to play something else. Yeah, that, like, kids kids that grow up seeing the same thing over and over and over again, like, they know how to recognize it. Like, they won't get duped as easily as as adults who never dealt with that do yeah that's why the ea backlash was huge because when people started playing battlefront it was just like the in beta people were like no 
no, don't launch with this. We are not okay. And that's that was across the board. It wasn't just like a few people complaining. It was everyone was like, this is wrong. We can see through this. We know what this is. And so, uh, you know, I'm fine with, I don't think that we need a law. I just think if we have consumers who are like, hey, this is shit more often. Yeah. Things might actually work out for the better. Yeah, I I don't think that these all all of these companies going to the live service model is going to work because there's just a very limited number of games that can be hugely wildly successful in these genres. We've seen, you know, MOBA for instance. We saw League of Legends, Dota, and to a lesser extent Smite and Heroes of the Storm. They're the really the only successful MOBAs. EA tried to get in there with Dawngate. It was a great game. It didn't even get out. Didn't even release. You know, didn't even get out of testing. It failed, and it was it was never going to succeed, realistically. And every now and again, a genre will pop up and think, oh, I want to be the guy that gets the game that is played for five-plus years in this genre and is king of this genre. Right now, that's Battle Royale. There'll be a few other games like that, and of course, there are still people trying to be, be the king of the, the Destiny genre, the looter-shooter genre. And you could argue that even Destiny isn't the king of that genre right now. No game has truly succeeded in getting there. But the, the reality is the vast majority of these games are going to fail to do that. Right. And if you set that expectation and you throw so much money at it that you have to have people playing for years in order to get the money back, that model is unsustainable. It's going to crowd the market. People don't have time for that shit. And hopefully that means we just cycle back to a more traditional style of game development. Hopefully a bit more of a conservative style of game development. Something that just makes sense. Make a game for a decent amount of money. Don't overdo it. Release it. Sell it. Make some money off it. Make a profit make a sequel, go from there. You know, maybe that's what ends up happening. Because I don't see us going, I really don't see everything going to live service models. I don't see it, I don't see how you could possibly sustain it. If everything was live service, literally every day you'd be like, okay, today my chores are, and then yeah, you have to log much, in. Yeah. Do, like, that's insane. Oh my God, no, pass. No, people are not going to have that kind of time. And like you said, we're sick of that shit at our age. And I wonder if the generation coming up behind us is savvy to that shit. I'm hoping they, they are. They I hope so. If not, well, at least we got indies. Lots and lots of indies. Lots of very good indies. Right. So, you know, let's not, let's not doomsay too much on that. Yeah, I read shit like this is why everything has microtransactions. No, everything Gaming doesn't. Is dead. Yeah, everything Shut does not. Down. The minority of games have that. There are a shit ton of really good games. They're just not where you're looking. Yeah, so man. indie games, indie games always. Yeah, but it's a pixels and it. It's no shut up. Yeah, <laughs> shut up. Just get some perspective and widen your horizons a little bit. There's plenty of great mm -hmm. games out there. Most of them, however, are not on today's release list, as much as I would like to say otherwise. Oh, man. Yeah, the releases this week are looking a little grim, I have to say. That's quite They're sad. They're not great, but They're that's not... okay. We found we found some stuff. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit. 
Let's just say that just there a, is just a smidge, just a smidge of dupe. Just a, a smidge, smidge is how I would just a dab. No, just a dab. Just is a how dab. I would describe it. So today, of course, we got Kingdom Come Deliverance for right, of course, full price. You know, that was the game we were talking about earlier, which a lot of people are currently saying hold off on right now. Just wait. Also, I don't know what the hell happened to my window. Different button, maybe? Uh, yes, that one is much better. There we go. Just wait. Some performance problems, some jank, some bugs. Maybe be a bit patient on it. Okay. You, let's see, uh, you got Moon Bullet. Oh, yeah, Moon Bullet. Uh, it's a side-scrolling, it's a 2D side-scrolling shooter. Um, that has like some survival elements. Mostly you're just like trying not to die to zombies, but you have to manage like your ammo and your hunger and all that stuff. So it's got little survival bits to it. Okay. It's cool. A cool little idea. Mm. Jesse, the latest Yo. in a series that you love, but according to many people this time around is fucking awful. Everyone sent me a link to like a Jim Sterling video where he's shitting on it. Well, I, I mean, he uh, and he loves Dynasty Warriors. He loves Dynasty Warriors, man. I have no, I have not played it yet. I couldn't tell you what it's like. Uh, I know a lot of the complaints were that it's shit on PlayStation 4 normal. I have a PlayStation 4 Pro. I guess we'll find out when I play it tomorrow. Apparently it's dropping below 30 on Pro on the performance mode as well. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, I definitely know there's a problem because on the... Uh, the Twitter account, the official Twitter account, there's literally a thing that's like, thank you for bearing with us as we pretend, as we like create a patch to fix this problem. Uh, so you know there's obviously an issue. Uh, mm. I, I just haven't touched it yet. I, I woke up late today, and so I haven't actually played it. I'm definitely curious, you know, because uh, Jim's, one of Jim's main problems was that they've done this big open world thing and it's got nothing in it. I was convinced that was going to be the case anyway. I yeah. expected, when they were like, it's nice words, but open world, I was like, so it's gonna be like you run between places, but there's not much actually happening. Okay. Right. Yeah, we'll see. I'm uh if it's I just want it to be as silly and over the top as it always is. If that happens, I'll be fine. But uh I'm intrigued. We'll I'll see. be interested to hear your thoughts on it next week. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll trust me, I'll put in way too much time playing that game. Good, good. We've got something that you chose here as well, the longest five minutes. Yes. Uh, so Longest Five Minutes is a game where you start at the final boss. It's the very last boss. You start there, okay. and then you lose everything. You lose your memories. You lose all like your the names of your abilities. You literally forget everything about your life, and you can't remember why you're there and why oh. you're fighting to save whatever it is you're doing. And you don't even know what you're trying to do. And so okay. the rest of it becomes you flashing back, trying to figure out what the hell is going on with this story. I think it's like a really, really great idea. That's a really um, cool idea. Yeah. And so it's the it's the concept of you like trying to relive everything and collect everything to go back to the five minutes of you in the final battle. That's sort of the premise. That's interesting. It, it's giving mm -hmm. me that half minute hero vibe. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's done in a nostalgia RPG fashion with like, flashbacking powers so like you have the power to literally just rewind time and figure out new things and mm. learn new aspects of like the story so there's multiple paths and i i'm super interested i truly truly already have the like 
Coxterdamus view of like, oh my God, you're going to get there and you're the bad guy. I want that so badly. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm really excited for this game. I think it's very cool. Mm. Awesome. Something that also looks really cool, which I forgot about, but I have remembered. So it's it's all good. Published by Devolver Digital, Crossing Souls. So that popped up today and apparently it's a huge mixture of different game genres all kind of set in the 1980s. Like it's got just unashamedly 80s. Mm. And you can play, I think it's mostly side-scrolling, but there's little bits of like every game you've ever played from the 80s and 90s in there. Mm. And you can switch characters and things like that. There's brawlers in there. There's uh, platforming elements. There's a racing game in there. There's an RPG in there. It looks wild. It looks absolutely nuts. Uh, that's coming out on PC today as well as on console, uh, PS4 specifically. So hmm. I am intrigued by that. Speaking of console, if you got yourself a Switch or a PS4, Xbox One, Owlboy is coming out today. Hell yeah. Owlboy's great. Owlboy is a great game. Indeed. I think that's about it for today. Moving on. Uh, Jesse, what is Yo. this? Speed Dating for Ghosts. Okay. Uh, Speed Dating for Ghosts is a game that is uh, written by one of the Bioware Dragon Age guys and uh, a like his indie rapper buddy. And it literally <laughs> is a speed dating game where you date like bizarre, weird ghost things. <coughs> and uh, you are just trying to find like the right ghost for you. And it looks incredibly weird and incredibly fun and um it's it's basically like just quirky characters and you have to like each one of them has their own um sort of like weird twisted thing about them that's keeping them on the earth like one is there because he's seeking vengeance and one is there because he's filled with despair and one's like this mm. ghost that's just like a poltergeist for mischief um and and i think i don't know this but i think maybe that i one is like you free the ghost kind of deal Okay. I'm interested. I'm interested in what this is. It comes out on Valentine's Day. It's probably going to be uh, a game that I stream because it looks really ridiculous and I uh, am super into it. Ridiculous it does look. Dodger <laughs> Roguemance. Yeah, Jesse actually saw this first and he was like, I'm going to let you have this because okay. it's it's you. Um, it's a roguelite where you're uh, trying to date people. So okay. all of the like little battles that happen are 2D and uh, and you're trying to like have successful dates and find people that you click with. And I guess there's co-op in it too. I mm -hmm. don't know if it's like you're attempting to get a date faster than the other person or something I like that. I think you work I together. Think. Like it's a couple thing. Like the two of mm -hmm. you work together to fight off uh, all these monsters and stuff. Gotcha. It's cute. Yeah, that it's is cute. an odd looking thing indeed, but interesting. February 15th. Oh, Boxcat. God damn it. Okay. Uh, it's a little adventure game where you're a cat in a box. That's oh, you're it. like the snake of cats. You are a cat in a what? box. I mean. What do you mean? You know, from Metal Gear. Solid snake. Oh, I see. I thought you meant like the snake game where you like eat other. other no, 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 no. I meant Metal Gear. Snake, I'm I sorry. I should have said Solid Snake. I'm sorry. I'm it's so okay. sorry. It's I'm, okay. I failed. I failed it's the gaming okay. community. 
Okay. It's ah, so the box can be used to attack enemies and also let you get over spikes and stuff. Okay, I was like, why is this cat in the box? Other than the I mean, usual reasons. Well, apparently... I don't question that shit anymore. You can use it. You can use it for different purposes. So, it is an Makes actual sense. mechanic and not just cat bullshit. Um, the other game for this day that I grabbed is Five Keys to Exit. It's like a very text-based game where uh, it's, I guess, plays like an escape room. A mighty sorcerer has cursed your land, but you're trapped inside your own home. So you have to, like get five keys but it looks like it's entirely text-based and i was like that's interesting i wonder how it goes yeah so through this weird little in interface huh okay potentially intriguing mm. jesse yo this is a familiar sounding name february 15th uh secret of mana comes to steam it is the remake. It is the updated graphics and everything. Uh, Secret of Mana, for those of you who are not an old fart, is widely regarded as, along with Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI, is like the pinnacle of Square Enix. Well, actually, Squaresoft back in the day when Squaresoft was just itself, like 94 to 96, when they were just like nailing it. This is considered one of the greatest RPGs of all time. Uh, yeah, I do not know what the remake will be like. What I played, I found a few things where I was like, ah, there's voice acting now. I don't know that I'm a fan of that. But the game itself, is it, it's still one of the greatest RPGs ever. So maybe you can turn off the voices. Who knows? Mm. Or at least set them to Japanese or something so you can't understand yes. the nonsense. It's like bad delivery doesn't matter when it's in Japanese. Isn't that great? <laughs> Until you watch too much anime and then I guess it does become a problem. And that, yeah, look, it's not, a, it's not an always sort of a situation. Not a sure thing. Yeah. Good to know. That's about it, February 15th. February 16th. This is... <sighs> yeah, so the game I picked for February 16th is because Dodger earlier in the podcast said, and I uh -huh. quote, I really want to go hiking. I haven't been able to go hiking. So somehow the gods have gifted us Hiking Simulator 2018. God damn it. Dodger, this is for you. Thank you. Thank you it's very much. Literal walking simulator. It is a legitimate walking simulator up in the mountains. You're, you're welcome. Yep. In the snowy mountains. With both cute and dangerous animals. Yep. Okay. So that's for you. Now you don't even have to move your legs. There you go. Um, well, the next game is going to disappoint everybody. It's yeah. called the, Chron it, the Chronicles of Nyanya. It, de it definitely disappointed me. I was hoping you would just avoid it because it's obviously terrible, but no. No, of course not. The cats not. look like, cute. The, ca the cats look almost, cute. I'm not going to lie. Dude, so many of these cats are anime references. It's incredible. I one was of them like, is, oh one of them is Aerith. So yeah, I mean, there's, a, a thing there's too. an Aerith cat. There's like Naruto cats in here. I'm very excited about it. So. God damn it. Dodger. What? God damn what? You. what? Just click the next one. <laughs> this is the one that I said was really the opus of this whole thing. So there's what a are you game. doing to me? There's a VR game called Elven Love. It's literally a game where you can either have a light elf or a dark elf, and you pose them. Here's here's oh one of God. the things. This is all in VR, by the way. So you pose them in VR. Why? Um, learn to use powerful wands to pose the elves, move them, or purify and mark their bodies. The with fuck? sacred oil. With sacred Thank oils. You. Yeah, don't forget the sacred oils part. 
I'm, I'm sorry. It's also in a unique mystical fantasy. Atmosphere. We also talk about how, I don't know. Unique is the right word. Can we talk about how the light elves are definitely in Quel'Thalas and the dark elves are on Teldrassil? This is literally just Warcraft. This is blatant. Like, do you want to fuck your character? You can do it now. That's what this is. That's what this is. This just seems like one of those mods you can get for Skyrim. But in yeah. VR? But in VR? Uh, dear Lord. <laughs> just awful. Yay, games. <laughs> well, good news, at least for the Switch, Bayonetta and Bayonetta 2. Yes, February 16th. And it's, it was also announced today, I believe, that uh, Bayonetta 3 development has officially begun. So good shit going on with that. But yeah, cool. first and second Bayonetta games. That's a great news, particularly for the vast majority of people that did not own a Wii U to play the second game. Yeah, buy one, uh, buy number two, you get number one free. Yeah. Uh, I hope they run well. I really do. Uh, the ones that were on... The Wii U ran pretty damn great. Hopefully they do well on the Switch as well. And also, out of fucking nowhere... Yeah, come, right? Yeah, comes Faye. Faye? How we how we doing this? How, what are we calling I think, it? I think, I think it was pronounced Faye. Like, yes. No, no, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know Faye. how we Whatever it is. It. It, yeah, this one's uh, actually not on Steam because it's one of those origin EA originals. So you... I think if you want it on PC, you got to buy it on Origin, from what gotcha. I can tell. But who knows? It could be a search problem because it's only two fucking letters. But it is here. After yeah. God knows how long, Nintendo the Switch, E3... PC, and PS4. Yeah, the, the cute E3 game that everyone was like, oh my God, it's the new indie. Um, yeah, this looks, this looks really cool. I just, you know, it's awkward shitting on EA for... 40 minutes and then being like hey new ea game so <laughs> to be fair, it was mostly ubisoft we're yelling at so but yeah the, the, you know this is one of those times when it's like hey we we found a a dev and we we got them and we helped them a bit and then we didn't completely destroy them and their soul that comes Which, later once their success yeah. i yeah. don't know i don't know how how many of if any of those that have worked with ea have actually been destroyed but one way or the other yeah that game is finally coming out which is interesting. Mm. Uh, also, uh, Joe Devers' Lone Wolf is coming to Switch, which is an interesting series of game books that some people might remember, especially if you're in the UK. The video game adaptation of those on other platforms was pretty good, so it might be worth looking at the Switch version as well, especially if you, if you are into Choose Your Own Adventures. Sure. And pretty much the last one on this list that we have right here, Dodger, You Found Us... In Darkness. In Darkness. Yeah. Uh, it's a... This is literally... Look, there were like three days where nothing looked good. This is the yeah, only thing nothing. that looked like I had yeah. promise. Um, in Darkness is a game where you play as like a little gremlin creature, and it's basically like a dungeon crawler, but it's in 3D. It doesn't look great. No. But maybe it's got something interesting about it. I don't know. I mean... It doesn't look as bad as everything else that we didn't mention, so sure. It's very true. Why not? Yeah, so that's it for this week, basically. Major releases. If you're, well, you're going to have a good time if you have a Switch, let me put it that way. Otherwise, mm. of course, Kingdom Come and keep an eye out on Fafé and the release of the Secret of Mana remake. 
That's what you got this yep. week. It's all you're getting. It's all you That's deserve. It. You're done. Mm-hmm. Yep. There may be something we missed, but hopefully not. Doesn't seem like it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Jeff I don't see anything else on here that looks. Game, and we were like, these all looks look they they exist yeah there's yeah. like uh one next week called oh my god look at this night in all caps but i'm like yeah no maybe hey, oh my god look at this night wow yeah be a classic. Like, wow well that sure is a night as far as i can tell oh my god look at this night oh yeah there's um that radiant historia trilogy i think is out today as well which is a series of uh, actually hang on a minute is that am i thinking of the same thing here i need to make sure i don't fuck this up hang on uh radiant radiant historia chronology it's an rpg of some description that's out today i think that's just a 3ds release though i'm not sure if it's on switch or not yeah I don't know much about it. I gotta be honest. So <laughs> I'm not. It's a remake, I believe, of Radiant Historia from back in the day. Yeah, it, it, it was an old DS role-playing game that they then remade on the 3DS. Instead of like remaking it on the Switch, they remade it on the 3DS. Which I guess, considering its sort of nature as a fairly niche JRPG right? tactics game. You know, the 3DS audience in Japan is still fucking enormous. So it does make a degree of sense, but there you go. Just so strange to see a DS game being remade on the 3DS in 2018. It's a bit of a head-scratcher. Yeah. Yeah. The kids like it, I guess. Do they? I don't know. Do you think that's what the kids are playing these days? The kids could be. They could be. We don't know. We've already admitted don't we don't know. know what the kids are playing these days. Apparently they're playing remakes of old strategy RPGs. Who fucking knew? Right. Well, we're about done for the show. Thank you very much for watching. We, of course, apologize for a lack of guests today. He will hopefully be here next week, Mr. Pyrian Flax, if he's feeling better. I certainly hope so, because, frankly, I want to talk less and have a less sore throat. Jesse, what you got coming up yes. this week? What's going on? Uh, yeah, so, um... For those who are curious about Star Wars New Canon Book Club, we're recording uh, all of our new, like, four new episodes tonight. So more of that is coming. Uh, get ready for us to talk about uh, Star Wars Rebels and stuff now that we're moving on to that. Uh, tomorrow, Dynasty Warriors 9. I'm probably going to stream that all day. So look forward to that if you are into that kind of stuff. Um, and then on the channel, we're finishing up a bunch of other things. Scary Game Squad, all the stuff that you can expect on the YouTube channel. And that's, uh, yeah, man. I'll, um, all that stuff needs to get done. And then, oh, this weekend, heads up, um, one of my very good friends on Saturday night, uh, one of my very good friends is coming in from out of town. He is like a really awesome chef. And so we are doing a themed dinner. We're going to like stream him making it and then we're just going to like chill out. So don't, you're not going to have that part. But we're going to stream him like <laughs> making the dinner. And uh, it is a, because the 17th is the anniversary of the game. Catherine is a Catherine themed dinner. And so he is, basing it around concepts he's basing it around <laughs> concepts from the game it's going to be awesome he told me and i quote uh do you have a problem 
with me using the concept of a G-string in a dessert. And I was like, I don't know what that means. He's like, good, good. So who knows what he's going to create? This is going to be awesome. Jesus he's going to like Christ. do the duality. I have no idea. We're going to stream that Saturday night uh, from my kitchen and him cooking. So get ready for that. It's going to be crazy. Well, that yeah. is certainly a thing. Yep. Dodger. I have no idea what kind of thing. Can you top that? I doubt it. I can't, no. Uh, You'll be there, though, so that's that's. Cool. I will be there. I will be there, and I will eat a lot of it, and I'm very excited. <laughs> um, hi, guys. I'm Dodger. Uh, streaming and stuff has been, like, a little... Well, I've, I've been doing them. It's just I'm a, a heavily pregnant, emotionally compromised lady. So, so yes. Just, <laughs> guess what? We're not going to do anything interesting for this entire shoot. But, hey, if you want to come just hang out and talk about the shit, that's what I'm good at. So um, I'm at Dex Bonus on pretty much everything, and I have a coffee company at DodgerCoffeeCo.com. So. Cool. Uh, i got some stuff coming up this week. I'll hopefully get a chance to have a look at Crossing Souls. I'd love to give an impression of Kingdom Come. Just bear in mind... The tutorial is eight hours long, so it's going to take some time. I'm working on it. We'll hopefully be doing another Snark Tag episode. There's still quite a few things on our list of stuff that we want to look at. I might stream a little bit of that Star Trek card game as well. That's entirely possible. Hopefully some cool announcements this week regarding an upcoming sponsored series, which will involve some certain old games, perhaps. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And also, can I can I guess? Can I take a guess? Um, uh, you can try. Command and Conquer. No. Shit. I just really. I'll ask you out of ideas. Series. Never mind. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I got no. I got nothing else. I just want more Command and Conquer in my life. That's all. I, I I would love more of that as well, but unfortunately, EA says no, and we are forever denied. Also, in the next couple of days, we will be issuing our first discount code for all Twitch subscribers to the merch store. That is totalbiscuit.shop, totalbiscuit.shop. If you are a subscriber, you will get a discount off of everything on that store. Hmm. Not a bad little deal, if I do say so myself. We'll be sending it out in the next few days via email to all of the subscribers who are there at that point. And then we'll send it out again the next week just so that you can get it and all that kind of thing. So... If you wish to subscribe to get that benefit and get a discount off of all of our merchandise, then we will be sending that code out to subscribers over the next few days. So that should be rather good. Sick. Indeed. Cool. That pretty much wraps it up, I think, for the show. Thank you very much for watching, folks. And we will see you next time, next week, hopefully, with a Pyrian Flax who is not coughing his lungs out. Goodbye. Mm. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>